subatomic gigantic occasion was a sweep in Japan nation when along came a dude with an ultra attitude, a common Morado, the greatest kicker of Japan. And of all man. Last you short now, baby. To not talk big now, baby. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, back to a brand new episode of Kaiju Conversation. I'm your host, Elijah, and joining me as always, my co-host. Hello, I am Rex, and we have returned for the new year. Can you Well, we already it? came back. Well, I guess this is our first new this year This is our recording. first recording of the new this year. Is La- the this is true. This is true. two uploads um, were recorded in December. This, this is true. Recording on January thirteenth. So, well, thirteenth for me. I oh, don't know for about me. him. Oh, also Twelfth. for ah, twelfth. Ah, by the time <laughs> we're done recording, it'll be the thirteenth for me. <laughs> Gotta but, love our recording yeah. schedule. Yeah, it's horrible. This is partly why I had to drink. I've been living on caffeine all day today. That's very healthy of you. Literally, like I woke up. I went I I didn't drink any energy drinks because last night I I was having like a relapse from the energy drinks I drank. Oh Jesus. <laughs> um it was awful. But like on my yeah, I remember way your interesting messages to me. I don't remember those. All I remember is my arms started to grow and like get longer and like everything just was really weird. But uh, on my you way sure you to weren't on anything else, yeah, no, I, I know, wasn't. I know I what our intro says, but are you sure you weren't on anything else? Yeah, I don't do drugs. I don't do sex. <laughs> the tokusatsu is where it's at. Uh huh. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> God, I love this thing. I love. We're... <laughs> but uh, on my way to the theater tonight. Uh, what movie? I, I I don't remember what movie I went to see oh, tonight. Jesus, again, every time. Yeah, yeah. You this literally time I want to blame it. You literally had to walk there, and you saw it twice, didn't you? How have you? I didn't walk there. I drive. drive. I have a whatever. car. Same difference. I spent seven hundred dollars today on the thing I, that took me I there. I wasn't asking that part. I you you still found some sort of transport. And that's the important yes. point here. I was transported from point A to point B. And while transporting from point A to point B, I had to stop at point A, point two, which was Starbucks, because I was falling asleep driving. So I got a, I got a that's frappuccino. Not you it's not. You could die. Die. <laughs> yeah. So I, I, I went to Starbucks. I got a frappuccino. That kept me going. And the movie, like I said, I can't remember what the movie was, but uh, that's probably because I like nodded off to sleep three times tonight while watching it. Like for a minute or two, but like. Yeah, you were probably snowing so loud you disrupted everyone in the cinema. No, nobody said anything. I was, I was a little worried. Does, doesn't, doesn't mean that no one was annoyed. Or no one wasn't annoyed. This is true. But I woke back up pretty quickly uh, all three times. So far as you know. Yes. 
Well, I do know because I know for a fact because I've seen the movie before, whatever it was. Like, I, I can't remember. Jesus. But then on my way back, it's like, okay, I'm about to be on a podcast for like two hours, so I need to get more caffeine. About a movie he can't even remember. Yeah. So now I'm like, like today I'm living off of caffeine. Like when I crash, it'll be because the caffeine that I bought is wore off. Mm-hmm. So let's hope to God that it doesn't wear off until after this recording. <laughs> it would be unfortunate if it did wear off early. Yeah, it would be because then I'd be like, oh, guys, this movie. And then everybody's going to be like, this is boring. I'm done. Mm-hmm. I'll take off my well, five-star. Well, it is a movie, review. so at least, at least you are correct in that regard. Well, I don't go to the theater for television. I mean, some people did. Some people did. This is true. This is very true. But I don't. I go to the cinema for film. Mm-hmm. And would you consider this film cinema? I don't know. I gotta, I gotta remember what we're talking about. But uh, I do know this. Jesus. Uh, I I don't remember how I I got this information, but I I remember seeing that uh, Shin Ultra Fight, the miniseries that was released, uh, wasn't it right before Shin Ultraman? Uh, After. After? That's actually coming Ultraman Connections, which nobody's been talking about. Which is very exciting because those are – Really funny. <laughs> well, I've never seen them, so I can't wait. And Shin Ultraman is going to be released in theaters again in the United uh, States. Huh. And it's again. coming to Blu-ray and DVD. Mm. And I'm wondering if Shin Ultra Fight might be included on the Blu-ray and DVD. I, 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 I heard it's the deluxe edition, so I'm hoping. What I'm most hoping for personally is um, some of the bonus features on the upcoming Japanese Blu-ray to hopefully get included. You know, I think they should do an Ultraman versus the Nerds bonus feature. And I think Uh, what they should do is is just... You've got to remember, I'm not American, so I don't have the American Shin Godzilla Blu-ray, so... To me, I but barely know what know. that is. I barely. Oh, you haven't seen it? No. Oh, you're. I don't lucky. have it. <laughs> so, long story short, it, it should just be Cleopatra Entertainment grabbing like three people from like three levels of their business. So, like somebody mm-hmm. from marketing, somebody from the produ- production side, and somebody for like from like the writing, and put them in a room. And then go grab some comic book artist. Grab Sean Nicholas. I don't know who that is, but go for oh, it. Oh, he's like the main like guy for Ultraman Connection. I thought he was it was Jeff Gomez. Well, he's like the one that's in all the publicity stuff. Like, gotcha. He, he was an actor in Ultraman Max. No, no, he's too high profile. <laughs> he's too high profile. We got to get somebody like... Uh, like the writer for Mysteries of Ultra 7. Get him. Or just some I mega fan. Names. I do, uh. Just some mega fan. Just get somebody. 
have him bring some Ultraman toys and have him wear an Ultraman shirt and then have them all just repeat the same thing the Mega Fan says. Plus other things that they think they know but are actually not true. Oh, nice. And then, like, include some stills from the movie and then just say, like, we love this movie and we can't wait for everybody else to enjoy it as much as we have. That sounds like a really um, riveting bonus feature right there. Oh, it it was... It transcended time and space. I'm very happy to hear that. Can't wait. Yeah, I, I, you know, I went like three years without watching it. I don't know how I did that. Like, I should have known better. I mean, hey, I've gone about almost seven years without watching it, so. We got to change that. We'll we'll locate a copy for you. No, no, I don't want... The cover, I know. You need no. you need to be I already showered. Have two copies of Shin Godzilla. You need to be showered with this this hitherto unknown information that this bonus feature will bring to you. But I feel like we've we've been talking too much about unre- unrelated stuff. But I, do you know hmm. what we're supposed to be talking about, Rex? Jesus. Well. Well, you see, I, I heard that the Shin Ultra fight announcement was revealed, like it coming to Ultraman Connection was revealed very, very recently in the cinema. Like, in fact, it was yesterday for you. Yes, it was yesterday. I'm not crazy. You know, I went to the movie theater yesterday. Ah, uh, did you go see Megan? No, I got I got uh, n- uh, knock on the cabin. I, I I think I went to see that. That's uh, not M- out yet. And what was it? I don't know. I heard Shin Ultraman was coming out. <gasps> that sounds familiar. Yeah, it should. We've been talking about it for the past five ten minutes. You know, that's that's funny. Because I'm pretty sure that's the movie I went to see. I feel like it. The movie we're going to cover today is Shin Ultraman. Yes. That was the movie that I also watched. Can you believe it or not? Yes. We are talking about 2022's Shin Ultraman, directed by Shinji Higuchi. Oh, Supposedly not directed by Hideaki Anno. Yeah, which I, I, I do want to talk about that. Um, Actually, at the beginning of my... Fia- so, it just got released in the States. Mm-hmm. I've seen it twice. Once last night subtitled, once tonight dubbed. I don't know how many times you've seen it, Rex. I'm going to guess three or four. Um, I think this was my... Third time watching it. Yeah, I figured as much because, you know, you'd watch it for the podcast and then when it initially came out and then uh, when you had the ability to see it again, mm-hmm. I figured it'd be about three times, three, maybe four. Yeah. So at the beginning of it, uh, they they included quite a, f- a few little fun things. They, uh, they I had they did a quiz. They did a quiz that was really basic. Yeah, really isn't it just like not... which which Ultraman 
it was not in the combination of Ultraman, Ultraman for Ultraman Z Gamma Future form or something like that. Yeah, it's stuff like that. Or who was the director of the Ultra Galaxy Fight trilogy? Or I wonder uh, if it was Eiji Tsuburaya. <laughs> yeah, Shinji Higuchi and I think Tsuburaya were both on there as potential options. Yeah, Sean Nichols and Koichi Sakamoto. Yeah. And when the, the first night people were like having trouble answering these, I'm like, oh my god, these are easy. Yeah, there's a there's a good process called eliminate process of elimination, or just be a true fan. This is true. Koichi <laughs> Sakamoto does direct quite a lot. This is true. Um, so they had that. They had. Uh, trying to think here they had the reveal of shin ultra fight coming to uh ultraman connections they had a little promotional image for kamen rider kuga or kamen rider ryuki and super sentai abaranger i I was i was actually was gonna ask if that was for if that was from this or if that was from some other event (laughs) that was that was from this uh because shout factory works with mill creek they have connections with Ultraman connections. <laughs> See what I did there? There's a gun. Uh, <laughs> uh, they were able to include that Tokusatsu promotional image, which was really nice. Mm-hmm. Uh, they had. But technically, you've seen Common Rider on the big screen. Yes, I have. <laughs> they had. Uh... They had a introduction. By the main actor who plays yeah, uh, our main character. They had an introduction by Shinji Higuchi. And I want to say there was one other thing um, they did. I want to say it was just like a introduction by the uh, voice actor for Ultraman Mebius. Or actor. Whichever. Really? Yeah, I huh. think he was like, thanks so much, guys, for tuning in to this, or watching, coming Wait, to the theater. was he speaking in English or in yes, Japanese? Yes, English. It's the guy that is, like, the spokesperson for Ultraman Connections. Oh, oh, short hair, like, dark black hair? Yes, or? yes. Yeah, that's Sean Nichols. <laughs> that's not Mebius' actor. That's the one I was mentioning earlier, the guy from Ultraman yeah, what, Max. Yeah, what did he do? Max? Okay. Yeah, he was... One of the team members in Max, I think. Gotcha. So he had a little blurb. Yeah. Uh, and I want to say there might have been one other thing. It was just a bunch of tiny little things. Yeah. Um. But in the like introduction by Shinji Higuchi, Higuchi says he didn't have the opportunity to meet the cast. Oh? Which... Okay, so as a director, you meet the cast, right? There's behind-the-scenes footage of him with the cast. (laughs) Uh, Well, in this, he's like, because of COVID-19, he never really got to... He never was... He never met the cast, but they stay in touch. Like, that's in the the intro. Maybe that's a a mistranslation or misinterpretation of what he said because that that's something i'm i'll probably i was gonna bring up a bit later is that 
supposedly with the subtitles that um, were on this release, which were, to my understanding, these are subtitles from Super Riot Productions, and these have not changed since the original festival showings. These are the exact same subtitles with maybe, or maybe there's like one little tiny spelling change in like one character's name. That's it. Um, So I've heard there's a couple lines in this movie that may not be fully translated in some of the later scenes. So there's a couple details missing. So perhaps... Perhaps something like that's happened here as well, maybe. Okay. Because uh, there's there's very clear behind the scenes footage of Shinji Higuchi with like Takumi Sato, um, Masami Nagasawa, and various other cast members in the film. Okay, that makes it sound a little bit better. Like I saw that int- int- uh, introduction twice, and I'm like. It's probably what? just a misinterpretation or a mistranslation. Okay, good. Um, Mind you, I haven't seen the interview, so... <laughs> gotcha. Uh, another thing that I found interesting was in the introduction by the main uh, character actor. Takumi Saito? Yes. Uh, he says that Hideaki Anno met him on another film. They didn't talk. And Hideaki Anno is the one that cast him as the main character. You think that was Shin Godzilla? Or? No, for well, it was for another film. He said, "Oh, he so didn't cast, specify cast him in for Shin Ultraman." Film. No, he cast him in Shin Ultraman because he was he met him on another film. I mean, it's left vague. Yeah, they, they, that could have been Shin Godzilla. Okay. Because Takumi Saito is in Shin Godzilla very briefly. Okay. It might have been that film then. But he's like, yeah, Ano's the one that uh, told Higuchi to cast me. (laughs) Or like, Ano's the one that cast me and Higuchi went with it. And I'm Mm. like, hmm, producers don't really... I mean, Ano was in charge of planning too. Okay, we're just going to say Shin Ultraman was directed by Hideaki Ano. I'm just going to go out and say Uh, that. Yeah, it was... it feels like it was ghost directed by Arno. I, yeah. <laughs> like, like this film, I'm sure, you I'm can't. sure Higuchi played more of a part in directing than say he did in Shin Godzilla. Um, but Arno was definitely behind a lot of the decisions made. I have no doubts about that. Yeah. Like throughout this film and like everything I'm it reading, it feels and like seeing. an Arno movie. It's Anno. He made this movie. Anno <laughs> is also the one that pitched them. And like, I found out that I think he was supposed to direct the sequels if they ever happen. Um, so he's he wants to direct the second film um, in the pitch. So in like the pitch at the end of the Shin Ultraman Design Works book, I believe it says that, yeah, Anno was wanted to do direct continuation and then the third film direct series unknown third film or series Mm -hmm. but we'll talk about that i think at the end here Mm -hmm. so i just right off the bat like i was like this is interesting 
I am getting more and more vibes that Hideaki Anno just ghost directed this thing. Mm-hmm. Oh, I, I don't doubt that at all, honestly. Yeah, it's just given how close Higuchi and Anno seem to be. Mm-hmm. I mean, they first met through um, Anno's through a screening of Anno's Return of Ultraman short film. Really? Yeah, Shinji Higuchi. It was shown at like independent festivals and Shinji Higuchi went to see it and that's where he first met Arno. Interesting. And then he ended up working on Evangelion. Yeah. They just continued Being the working. namesake for Shinji in Neva. <laughs> Interesting. They're like best buds. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> From that's the sounds nice. of it. But speaking of best buds, they they also co-directed Shin Godzilla together, as as we both know. And I found it really funny, uh, Higuchi, in an interview like 2019, 2019, Mm -hmm. 2020, Higuchi said, if you want to see Shin Godzilla 2, go watch Shin Ultraman. And some people interpreted that as, oh, they're connected? And then... Some people took that as, well, this is like their next Spiritual success. So. Yeah. I mean, there's a couple of things in this movie that can, you know, lead people to believe either, the, either idea. <laughs> well, I, I'm just, I, I, I took notes down, so I was just kind of going to start in like from the get go of the film. And then mm-hmm. we, I figured we would just talk through the movie. And, okay. you know, our t- uh, opinions on stuff and, like, stuff we liked. Um, yeah. Right off the bat, I thought the title sequence was really cool. Um, how it was that Ultra Q, like, put putty. And then it yeah. morphed into Shin Godzilla. That's yes. hilarious. Because <laughs> Ultra Q was the original Predecessor Ultra. to Ultraman. Yeah. And I thought it was really funny that Ano and Higuchi did that inside joke that Shin Godzilla was the spiritual predecessor to Shin Ultraman. And then from the title sequence bursts Shin Ultraman, a tokusatsu movie. Mm -hmm. I thought that was great. I loved that. I love the Shin Godzilla joke. I love the homages from the original show. I thought it all was really cool. <laughs> um, I remember when the pictures of that leaked as well. <laughs> oh, yes. Yes. I wish I could have had Gomez like revealed to me first, like <sighs> then and there. Because I thought that was funny. But I'm going to be honest. I, would, I was kind of upset with the whole epilogue. Because... And this this is going to be a reoccurring thing. It just runs through it. It's not mm-hmm. even like introducing. It's just a sprint of like kaiju appearing, kaiju dying, and just it, it is the fastest like introduction I've ever seen. Mm-hmm. It's cool to see the Ultra Q, you know. Oh, it's really cool to see, like, got Gomez, the a, another great Shin Godzilla in joke as well. Um, mm-hmm. 
featuring a modified um, Shin Godzilla CGI model. <laughs> I remember when that, when the theater pamphlet, uh, the day the movie came out, the theater pamphlet photos started appearing online and everyone went crazy about that. Right. <laughs> and I, I agree with you that I wish it wasn't spoiled for me, but frankly, there was no way I was going to be able to avoid it, unfortunately. Yeah. So what I, I, my first criticism in this film is the intro being so fast. What, what's, what's your take on, on that? Do you agree? Like, I, I, I disagree with that because like, I don't know. I know, I know a lot of people had an issue with in Shin Godzilla where everything went by so fast and I, and I can, I can see why people take issue with it. I, I, it's not an issue for me. I, I, I don't know. I don't mind it. It's, I like getting all the like context of the world out of the way uh, quickly. It's some good, you know, very quick world building and sets us up for where we are. Um, you know, this film is an hour and 52 minutes. Um, I'd say very little of the time in this film is really wasted. Okay. Mm-hmm. And and it also help it does also help make this feel, you know, sort of in line with the style of Shin Godzilla and how that was edited. Yeah, like I in that regards it like we said, it feels like an Ono film. The Ono editing is very present. Mm-hmm. I just, I don't, I don't like. I mean, you know, you have the Onoisms of the text on the screen, the editing, um, the the camera, the use of the camera is very much Ono inspired as well. Mm-hmm. Which is in turn inspired by Ultraman director Akio Chisoji. Mm-hmm. <laughs> which is a deep cut, which I, I, I really like that you, you pointed that out because that's mm-hmm. very true. I mean, Arno's entire like visual style is very heavily Jisoji influenced. <laughs> mm-hmm. Just like, particularly, I'm going to just quickly talk about a scene that's slightly after this, but you know, when um, Masami is, uh, Asami, sorry, is introduced, and like yes, we had a lot, and like in that SSP room, you get a lot of um, camera intricate, shots. intricate camera angles, like like in a very unusual positions, like in relation to like where the how the camera is usually like behind heads mm-hmm. in a certain way. It is very Akiyoshi Soji, like. Like if you look at something like Ultra, the infamous Ultra Seven Band episode, you can see a lot of that style of shooting in there. Mm-hmm. Another example, uh, this this wasn't him, but uh, is Cheryl Honda, his cinematographer for Destroyal Monsters. His his name escapes me, but he worked with Honda. Is it Hajime Koizumi or? It might Honda worked with like two cinematographers. Yeah, there's like two or three he worked with. I know Koizumi is on a fair bit of um 
a fair bit of the Toho Godzilla series. But his work on Destroy Monsters especially utilized like the weird the interesting camera angles of like you see the heads through like through objects. Through objects, yes. Mm-hmm. Um, Which is a style I absolutely adore. <laughs> mm-hmm. But I think the thing that uh, Shinya Tezukamoto does a lot of the extreme angles as well. Um, mm. We even saw, uh, going back, we mentioned some of the camera angles in Matango that utilize those extreme wide angle shots. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that that's, that's Ano's entire, like, style like you said like that that he lives yeah. on the edge <laughs> like if it's not on the edge of the frame then it's not it's not ano mm-hmm. <laughs> so you know i just you live to look at the rules of cinematography and you know mess around with them break them here and there a lot <laughs> yeah which i mean i think it's fair but I also oh, I think, think it that works a lot of the time. It works. But I also, because one of my notes is the, the cinematography is great in this movie. I think they outdo themselves in cinematography. Oh, absolutely. Um, the film looks brilliant, most in, in terms of how it's shot. There's, yes. there's a couple things I have to critique with the look, um, but I'll save that for a little later. Yeah. When we um, talk about a certain other character. But for me, at least, one of the issues I have with the Ano cinematography is it feels like a bulk of the screen is almost, like, unusable because Ano doesn't like to utilize the entirety of the screen. Mm-hmm. He he likes to make very interesting camera angles, but eventually it just becomes that. And specifically when you're just watching his stuff, I think that gets a little bland. Now, like if you if you go from that to like Godzilla versus Kong, where it's very basic with its its setup in its cinematography, it, it becomes more visually interesting. But when like if you watched Shin Godzilla and Shin Ultraman back to back, I feel like it would be a little they would they would work they would flow well together but i feel like that appreciation of the shin ultraman cinematography would go down just a little bit mm. because it's not abstract anymore does that make sense eh, a little i don't know i mean i don't know like you know watching something like made by a a lot of movies or whatever made by a certain director with a very particular style, like in a row, obviously, you know, you're going to see that style is not going to stand out as much because it's all that you're taking in. (laughs) Right. You're not taking in any other kinds of visual styles. But like, if I would, if I'm going to compare like Tetsuo, the Iron Man to to Tetsuo to body hammer, Tsukamoto creates a very different atmosphere and a very different setup for how his shots are composed. Mm-hmm. Um, he he has a wider range of cine, cinematic language for his scenes. Mm. I don't know. I f- I feel I feel 
Shin Godzilla definitely has that Arno approach to cinematography, like no doubt. But I feel Shin Ultraman pushes pushes a lot it more into the forefront of how it's shot. Like, I would agree. A lot, a lot more of that, as you said, like the camera being blocked by random objects so that the the characters within the frame are only taking up like a very small proportion of the screen. Um, whereas in Shin Godzilla, while it does have that moment, it, it's those moments, it's just, it's, they're not as prevalent. Right. And I, I think, cause one of my issues with uh, Shin Godzilla is how it, it does feel a little chaotic at times with, uh, some of its shots and like how dramatically different they are. I will give Shin God's uh, Shin Ultraman the benefit of it's visually cohesive mm-hmm. and doesn't, it doesn't change up how it looks. So the sequence of frames throughout the film all feel the same. So it, it doesn't feel like I'm being thrown back and forth on, on, directing styles mm-hmm. which is a good thing i i prefer not being put into this whiplash of of style mm-hmm. oh if you want a whiplash of visual style try watching transformers 5 <laughs> this is true <laughs> where the aspect ratio changes with every shot i don't remember seeing that but now i don't want to see that <laughs> Every time Michael Bay switches to a new camera, to a different camera in that movie, the aspect ratio just decides no. Hmm. Interesting. That movie is an editing nightmare as well. <laughs> but that's besides the point here. Right. So, you know, I, I, I and like, I like the cinematography. I do. Like, I, I don't want it to seem like I don't like it. I just think, because I'll be honest, uh, you're 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 never gonna let me live this down. Uh, my most recent short film that I shot, um, there is a a small clip in it where I have an actor walking up some steps to a a door. Mm-hmm. The door is in the top right hand corner. The camera is like it. I, I tried to do a little bit of that onoism mm-hmm. with the extreme angle. I was thinking more to Sukamoto. But Ano as well does it because um, mm-hmm. it, it does create what what I what I appreciate about this style of cinematography is it creates this sense of there are no boundaries for the camera. Mm-hmm. It can like utilize Ano especially utilizes as as much as that of that frame as he can that it does feel like the movie is bigger than just the 16.9 or the one is it 135 one i i don't remember the exact <laughs> aspect ratio for this aspect ratio but it it does feel like it's greater than just that mm-hmm. um which i i appreciate that one of my favorite aspect ratios is Toho Scope. The uh, I'm trying to remember what that one is. It's it's very wide. It's very wide. Yeah. Um, 
I love that. I wish we had more movies in that aspect ratio. Um, and even though Shin Ultraman is not in that aspect ratio, it tries to do it, it tries to be as wide as possible. Yeah. Which is something I will always appreciate and take. <laughs> I feel like we, we just spent like fifteen minutes on just the cinematography. <laughs> I mean it it it's it's a Shinji Higuchi film. Um but you know, there, nah. there was definitely another individual making a couple decisions here and there. Right. Um and going back to kind of get us back on track here, um moving past that ultra Q oh we never established spoiler warning. I just yeah. realized that. Oh well, these things happen. For anybody, spoiler warning, we're just going to talk about the movie. Yeah, we already told you about Gomez, but hopefully by you already knew about that, maybe. Probably. <laughs> yeah. If you're on the internet, you probably know. If, if you know about this movie, you probably, and you listen to this podcast, you've probably either seen it or know about Gomez. Yeah. <laughs> um, I wanted to jump into the first piece of the film. Which is Naranga. Okay. Yes. Naranga looks great. I love his design. He like does. watching it a second time, I was like, man, this is actually a really good like update. Hmm. Oh yeah, no, definitely. He's probably probably my favorite of the redesigns in the film. Mm-hmm. Um there's one that could have been really close up, but there's just one massive issue that I'm going to get into later. <laughs> I'm interested in. I, I think you'll. I think you can guess what it is. But um, yeah, no, Naranga looks great. I mean, there's some, there's some interesting ideas that they toyed with with like not giving him a mouth originally. Um, with like the idea being, well, if he has his horns and can consume electricity through them, then he may not need a mouth. Which is an interesting concept, I guess. It, the, some of the concept art is kind of cool, but I prefer this design mm-hmm. like for the final film. I I think this is a brilliant, re, a brilliant update for Naronga that keeps it keeps a lot of the spirit of Tom Narita's artwork and also the original suit as well. Since like the horns, I don't believe were on the art. Yeah, no, it looks absolutely brilliant. And I even like how they. They give him weight. Like, he does feel like kind of this sluggish, like, overweight. And he's got a bit of personality, too. Mm-hmm. I, I was really surprised by how well Naranga was done in this. Um, I will say there there's compositing issues with Naranga's CGI at points. Yeah, yeah, but, like, that. the thing is... I I can forgive most of the CG issues with this film when you consider the budget being lower, A, lower than Shin Godzilla, and B, this film has more visual effects shots than Shin Godzilla. Right. now It's a considerable increase. Here's the thing. In the Naranga stuff specifically, there's only like two or three CG shots, I think, look actually bad. Mm-hmm. The rest, I think, look good for a Ultraman mm-hmm. product. I'm going to be yeah. honest. Yeah, I'd agree with you. Like, there's 
there's definitely some bad looking shots here, but I think overall the movie looks mostly pretty good. I think it's going to age. I think it might, it's at risk of aging the worst of like this Shin Godzilla, Shin Evangelion, Shin Ultraman, Shin Kamen Rider, Shin Japan Heroes thing. I think so far this one is looking like it'll probably age the worst visually. But I, I still think for that, it still looks pretty decent. Yeah, and like I'm, I'm trying to stay on the wrong because I have opinions on each special effect sequence. Mm-hmm. Um, the thing about Ultraman is this is Shin Ultraman, so I'm gonna I'm gonna base it off of the original show. I know that you know stuff like Ultraman Nexus or Ultra Q, the movie. Like there, there are there are ultra. There's Ultraman stuff out there that is really good, like really good visual effects and physical effects. Yeah, the original Ultraman is not on par with Godzilla. I'm just going to be honest here. It's not on par. It's obvious. It's cheaper. Ultra Q looks better. Mm-hmm. But. I mean, even then, they still had to reuse some stock footage from Rodan in, in an episode or two because Super, A.G. Superia himself wasn't happy with what his crew had put together for one of the destruction scenes. Mm-hmm. Like so, with um, the Kaiju Larugus, the big bird that appears at the beginning of Shin Ultraman. Yes, in uh, Ultra Q specifically, right? Yeah. yeah. It's during the Ultra Q prologue bit of Shin Ultraman. Which I didn't care for that design. I'm gonna be honest. I was like, "Ooh, that's kind of ugly." It looks eh, awful too. That, I, was, that's, I wasn't a big fan of it, but it's whatever. That that's an example of bad CG too. I think that just looks horrible in the film. Supposedly, that model might have been designed by Arno himself. Supposedly, I'm not quite sure. Honestly, at this point, I feel like Arno might have just done one of everything. <laughs> hmm. I. From what I understand, Arno was less hands-on with this film because he was too busy to be the full-time director, but was as hands-on as he possibly could be. That's my impression of what happened. He was like, I'm not going to take credit, but I'm going to fanboy over this and do everything. I'm going to play Ultraman. (laughs) And he did. In this scene, too. Oh, this was Ultraman in this right here? Uh, so when he uses the Specium Ray, that's mm-hmm. Arno. That's Arno's small motion capture. Because there's behind-the-scenes footage of him doing okay. those movements. Interesting. Well, that's good to know, because I was curious on what asked, what part of this film that Arno worked on the motion mm-hmm. capture for. I, I'm not um, sure about any other scenes, but I just know this, is the, this part Arno definitely was the mocap actor for. Um, gotcha. Um, but I, I thought throughout this sequence, Naranga looked great there when he attacks the power station. I think that's an example of him not looking good, but that's because the animation is way too fast. It's too like fluid, not fluid. I'd say it's the opposite. It looks almost like, I can't think of a better word. So, like, the word that's just coming to my mind is jolty. Choppy? Like he's, 
I mean, yeah, Troppy, I guess, because he's going. It, it looks like he's going from key pose to key pose. Yes, rather than a natural movement. Yes, and I, 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 I didn't like that. Specifically, that no. scene I thought was the worst of the Naranga mm-hmm. sequences. I think, I think a couple of, I think like a couple of the shots afterwards look fine. It's just that first shot of him like mm-hmm. hitting. Um, the power plant that yes. that was where it was most noticeable mm-hmm. and i i love his uh invisibility in this i think it's great and they change it up from the original because he goes invisible after powering up in the original but in this one they reverse it which i think is a cool like change i think i think that's interesting that when he powers up he's not invisible Mm -hmm. and that when he's invisible he's basically immune to anything shot at him Mm -hmm. Uh, until he isn't (laughs) right um and we this is also where we're introduced to our main characters uh the sssp i'm going to call them the science patrol I don't feel like saying this film, but it's the same thing. Yeah. The super special science patrol. That's what I'm super special science patrol. The SSSP. So we're introduced to them. We Mm -hmm. have our nerd. All but one at least. All but one. Yeah. Yeah. We have our leader. We have our nerd. We have our strategist. And then Shinji. No, um, Shinji's the strategist. The other, the girl is the, um, Yumi, I think her name is. She's a biologist. Okay, so our nerd, biologist, leader, and strategist. Okay. Yeah. Um, then we have the, the commander who's not on site, but he, but he is shown, um, through phone calls. Yes. Now, even though the, the, the actors do a great job at their characters, Mm-hmm. I, I don't think they're as memorable as the original, but we'll, we'll talk about that. I think yeah. as we continue to yeah, go sure. through the film, I think that's, a, that's fair. Yeah, because there, like there's also I do. I would like to see more of them, honestly. Mm-hmm. Um, so you know, we're we're kind of thrown into the situation with Naranka. They they have quickly set up kaiju are invading Japan. Mm-hmm. Establishing the science- that this is just kind of normal at the moment and this is relatively mundane for them. <laughs> yeah, and then that's it. Like, we're just thrown in. Naranka's here. Mm-hmm. And I, I think it's funny how they're like, how do they come up? Throughout the film, the script is clearly a bit more comedic oh than, definitely <laughs> than Godzilla uh, with lines like where do they come up with these names and they just say just whatever works yeah whatever the what was it the DP minister the DPA minister comes up with or likes to hear <laughs> yeah it's like whatever the minister whatever gets uh, suggested to him and that he likes and there's a little payoff to that when um, Asami names Ultraman, and he's like, Ultraman? I like that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, uh, you know, there, there's funny stuff like that, because 
I always thought it was weird in like the original Ultraman uh, shows, especially where they're like, oh, Ben Mueller. Well, mm. where did that name come from? That's just his name. <laughs> or like, oh, the kids named him uh, Gabadon. Or Gasura's this legend in the ocean. Mm hmm. And like it just so happens that the, there's names for them. Mm -hmm. And I mean, again, this is sort of continuing, sort of similar to Shin Godzilla, how that has a whole scene dedicated to, um, you know, Godzilla's name. Mm -hmm. There's even a reference to uh, the development of the names for the kaiju uh, in uh, from Shin Godzilla in Shin Ultraman, where they call. Uh, Gomez, giant unidentified life form. Oh, yeah, that's right. <laughs> which it's is a golf. cool little nod. And then they're like, and then they became kaiju. Mm. Which I, I like that. I think that's really cool. Yeah. I mean, Arno made um, the point to not call, to not use the word kaiju in Shin Godzilla in a script at all. So... I, I feel like specifically at the beginning, we're just kind of we expect these characters to know what they're doing. Mm -hmm. And and we're shown that because they're just like throwing like they're really good. They're really good at their job, Um, which is it's, it's a little bit like what we see in the in, in all Ultraman shows. It's like, yeah, the team knows what they're doing. Mm, usually, um, usually. There's, in there's some cases, you could argue perhaps not. <laughs> like Ultraman Leo, where they all just die. I haven't seen that. Oh, spoilers! Look, man, it's been out for like decades. Okay, I haven't seen it. I'm I'm obviously the most important person here. You can think that. <laughs> the fake fan of Tokusatsu. Oh wow. You're calling me the fake fan when he has me. Mr. I'm the real fan, my ass. Suck it. <laughs> uh, <laughs> where were we again? Uh, I had mentioned that uh, they know what they're doing. Uh, yeah. Like most teams. Mm. Um, And I, I think it's interesting. But then we're quick, quickly like thrown in with uh, Shinji, right? Shinji? Yeah. Uh, he he's like, there's a kid. I'm gonna go get him. Mm -hmm. And I guess it's somewhat like Shin Hayata. I kind of wish they would have kept the name Shin. I think that's hilarious. <laughs> but they didn't. Yeah. I don't know. I'm I'm indifferent to changing the names. It's like whatever, you know. Mm -hmm. And it does establish this as its own Ultraman, which is good. That's that's true. That is true. But when when but we like, get to the part... Obviously, we've got, like, Hidetoshi Nishijima, who plays, like, Captain Tamura. Obviously, he's meant to be Akiji, Akiko Kobayashi's um, Captain Muramatsu from the original, you know? Correct. Blah, blah, blah. Masami's meant to be um, Fuji, Chinji, Hayata, etc., etc. Mm -hmm. Though nobody reminded me of... Ido, Ide right? or um, Arashi. I, I feel like oh. Taki, like the, the nerd guy, I feel like he's meant to be Ide. Because, um, I mean, he even goes through a sort of similar arc to Ide. 
like when like with him losing hope and losing faith in you know humanity's ability to fight the the monsters and the aliens mm-hmm. and then they which is something that does happen with Ida in the original series well he feels like all his inventions are useless because you know Ultraman can do it they're just a small insignificant species that can't help this is true but I'll agree that the resemblance is less the inspiration from them is less obvious both Ida yeah. and Arashi and I think the hardest part there was Ida is like iconic yeah Spe- specifically because the actor he did oh, absolutely he does an amazing job as Ide, and he has fun with it. Yeah, R.I.P. to him, though, seriously. I was going to say, he passed away this, this year, was it not? It, or this last year? Last year, I believe, yeah. Um, uh, I think Arashi's actor might still be alive, um, alongside um, Fuji and Hayato's. Yeah. Yeah, because every Ultraman host is still alive. Huh. I feel like I feel like there's one that isn't, but I could be wrong. I feel like they're all. I know all the Showa ones are still alive. I thought Taro w- was dead, but maybe that's just because they replaced the actor. I don't remember. <laughs> um, Did? But I didn't know that. In, in like modern shows, they don't use his voice actor. Huh. Interesting. Now, re- re- while we're talking about the cast. Obviously, Ben Furia comes back to do motion capture for yes. Ultraman. And Hideaki Anno comes back, mm. technically, and does uh, motion <laughs> it's, capture. For... It's the return of Ultraman, you could say. <laughs> uh, so funny, so funny. <laughs> you want my gun? Don't quit your day job. Do you want my gun? <laughs> um, Next was there any other... Was there any other actor in the film that was like alumni um, Ultraman? Not that I could tell. There's no specifically Ultraman alumni. There's some Shin Godzilla um, alumni um, mm-hmm. in the cast with, you know, obviously Takumi Saito and oh, what's the actor's name? He's like, the he's the guy that supports Rondo Yaguchi and Shin Godzilla. Um, yes, and he plays a government man in this. Him being a no, as notable character in the sec in the second half of the film. Um, but yeah, in terms of Ultraman alumni, there is in the crew we have Sadao Izuka, who did optical effects. Mm-hmm. Um, so he did Ultraman Specium Ray in the original series, as well as even up to um, Ultraman X in 2015. Yeah, I remember when I heard that, I was like blown away. I thought that was amazing. He's still kicking around and yeah, they got him to do some more. They got him to do the Specium Ray for Ultraman. And I think he does a couple other effects too, because there's a couple other ones that look like they were hand drawn. Yes. Now, was it optical or was it computer? I I don't know. I do think it's all hand-drawn, but it was probably like scan Digitally? computer or something. Mm-hmm. It, it'd probably be a digital 
version of how that it was done in the original, I suppose. Yeah. That's that's my guess. Because obviously they they're not gonna make a thirty five. They don't, they don't have print. the old optical printer. <laughs> and even yeah. if they do, it probably isn't working. And they probably don't want to buy a new one because it's a waste of money. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> was there um, any other returning crew? Um not that I'm aware of. They they obviously used um, Tolnarita's art for reference. Mm-hmm. They might have had the mask designer for the original Ultraman in some involvement. I'm not sure if he was actually involved or if they just like took a lot of reference from you know his work. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm not quite sure whether he was actually involved. And obviously, I'm sure there's like effects artists that have worked on new gen and whatnot. Probably. probably, You know, the Subaraya crew. The Subaraya crew. I I mean, we had... um, Oh, almost definitely. I mean, we we probably had a suit actor or two um, involved because, like, you know, for Naronga and also the the kaiju that appears after this, Gabora, um, they actually used a Naronga suit from New Generation Ultraman. Yeah, didn't didn't they scan... Suits? Yes, they they used the suits for motion capture, and for in the case of Gabora, they put like a like a thing, like a drill, a thing that was meant to replicate his drill head on top of the Naronga suit. Oh, <laughs> interesting. There's a funny little picture of it. So okay, uh, I guess we can get back on track so here. A technically, bit. this is more like Tokusatsu than Shin Godzilla, since. Well, traditional kaiju took Satsu, given they actually use suits. This is true. This is true. <laughs> so, getting back uh, on track here, I did think it was a little jarring in this one how Shinji dies. Because oh, yeah. <laughs> it's it's like, oh, he, he got, his, his head got hit by a rock. Blink and you'll miss it. Wait, did he get hit in the head with a rock? Yes. I didn't notice the rock hitting him. I just thought like the sh- he got killed by the shockwave. I mean, I no. guess I guess there's it like a white if a rock hit him. <laughs> yeah, there's like this white thing that just hits him in the head. Oh, don't, I might remember don't. that. I'm, I might remember him like reacting to it. I just don't. And remember then like it cuts away, and then it's Ultraman's here. Mm-hmm. So I I, th- I felt like his death was a little jarring. Mm-hmm. Um. And I, I was really, I'm still confused by the completely white Ultraman, completely silver Ultraman. So I think the idea with that is like, when he mer- like, I don't know, when he merges with Shinji, he, he gains, you know, the red and and later green color for when he's losing power. Um, That's weird. <laughs> I don't know. There, it, there's some cool ideas rep- in this that just don't. I don't, I don't understand. I, I think it's. I don't think it needs to be that logic for that having like a slightly differently looking Ultraman at the beginning before he's merged. I I think it's just like that's fine, you know. Yeah, I guess I don't know. It just it was it was kind of weird for me. But I think you're just pedantic. Maybe. 
I will say this the Ultraman is overpowered. <laughs> like he comes in and like his specium ray is like oh my god, that thing like Noronga destroys the, the mountainside. Like we brought back the brutal deaths of the Showa era. <laughs> Bro, Noronga literally is terrified. <laughs> yeah, like Naranga starts backing up and like disappears and then like Ultraman uses his Specium Ray. And I love the detail of how the Specium Ray is going through Naranga, but the Specium Ray is so powerful it like material materializes Naranga. Mm-hmm. And then Naranga's just like, oh crap. And then boom, he's gone. Mm. And then the sparks afterwards, like when the ray when he stopped firing the ray. I think those were really cool. Mm-hmm. Um, it, apparently, the from the looks of some... So, like, there's a sketchbook from Shinji Higuchi. It looks like we were actually supposed to get a slightly longer fight between Ultraman and Naranga, interestingly enough. But... I did... I wished... And this is... I'm just going to establish this now. I don't like how short every fight is in mm. this film. Oh, yeah, they are very short. Even... Even the best fights in the movie, like it, it feels like they begin and end. I don't, mm-hmm. I don't think any of them are bad. I actually really like them all, but I would, but I'll, I'll admit I would have liked them to be a tad longer if possible. I, I, I liked, I like most of the fights. This one I liked. Um, I, I enjoyed Naranga's personality, and mm-hmm. you kind of end up feeling bad for Naranga because. Kind of gives me puppy dog vibes at the end. Yeah, I mean it is a kaiju made out of Baragon, so <laughs> this is oh, that is true. That is very true, mm. and I loved how uh, they they brought back the old sound effects. But it's I are are they out? Are they in stereo? Hmm. Or are they still mono? I don't know. Um, I don't know. I know the um. Music is our new recordings. Um, mm-hmm. I, so, I have in here, I love this score. I put that in my notes. The score in this is great. Mm. Oh, absolutely. And it's used, and like at some, they, it's used surprisingly, uh, surprisingly sparingly, I noticed on rewatch. Because there are a lot of mm-hmm. scenes that just, it's just the characters talking without any music. Mm-hmm. Um. But yeah, no, the like the re-recorded soundtracks from the I think it was the London Symphony. I forget what they're called. Yes, um, where they did the Ultra Q and Ultra Man themes. Those sound absolutely brilliant. Mm-hmm. Like this scene, we've got a lot of themes from like the original Bulton episode. Um, and then we had yeah. the Ultra Q theme playing at the very beginning. Yep. Yeah, no, it's. I was really surprised with how well the score was, and I, I I love the sound. Unlike Shin Godzilla, I feel like the sound effects in this blend better. They don't. I want to say they're in stereo. I don't think they're mono, because they they feel it feels like they're mixed in properly. At least to me, that's how I feel they are. Unlike I don't know. Shin I've never had a problem with the Shin Godzilla ones, but it's been a while since I've seen that admit- admittedly. So 
being a one thing. Maybe okay. So maybe we've been giving Arno a bit too much credit. Um, one thing that I absolutely, I, I wish, wasn't a decision he made in Shin Godzilla was, as much as I love hearing those classic Ifakube score, I would have liked to hear Shinji Higuchi's renditions of them. Oh, sorry, Shiro Sagisu's renditions yes. of them. Um, I agree. I I think it was the wrong, in my opinion, it was the wrong decision to re- to replace those with the very original tracks. Uh, because, because they're of, all in mono. Pointed out, yeah, they're not the greatest of audio quality. Um, but here, and I think it's this is a great example. new renditions, and it sound and they sound amazing. They do. Um. And then I love, I love at the end. Sorry, do you want to keep talking about the music more oh, no, no, on no, this fine. part? We can bring okay. up the music a bit more later. I just wanted to establish at the end of the Naranga fight. I love their Ultraman taking off. The flying in this film is perfect. They they capture the Showa flying to a T. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> and I love how he breaks the sound barrier, and you see it in, yeah. the, in the first takeoff. I thought that was really well done. Mm. That being said, I do not like a silent Ultraman. <laughs> it's weird. I know a few people have had some issues with that, but honestly, I'm going to be honest, I did not notice it until people pointed it out to me. Oh my god, I was waiting for the shwa, and then he just <laughs> jumped, and I'm like... What happened? I was like disturbed. This is like, what are you doing? He has to go schwa. He doesn't make a sound, and that's horrifying. I feel like that adds <laughs> a bit to the horror of Ultraman that that's present in this movie. Oh yeah, this first scene doesn't make him out to necessarily be a hero. He <laughs> is the imposing threat. <laughs> And the fact like when that you see he, him walking to Naronga. Yeah, it's like this this <laughs> he is an impending doom in this. <laughs> and it just I, I don't the development of Ultraman throughout this is really good because of the fact that initially Ultraman is like kind of scary. He's this silver giant that just... You've even got the scarier face with the A-type. Mm-hmm. Which is a nice touch. Yes, I agree. I agree wholeheartedly <laughs> with that. Nice little bait-and-switch in the trailers as well. Was it different in the trailer? Yeah, because they show the C-type, um, and they show him with the red. That's right! They do! That's why it looked different. <laughs> And then after this, like, they, they start trying to figure out Ultraman. And then they just kind of jump to Gabora, if I remember correctly. Um, they they have a couple scenes. They have a scene introducing um, That's right. Asami Nagasawa's character, Asami. And another a new rendition of Shin Godzilla's yes. early morning from Tokyo. Yes, I, I thought um, that was... And it works so well in this movie. It does. It now, sounds really nice. I actually like it more here than in Shin. Yeah, I, I hate it in Shin, Shin Godzilla. Godzilla. I hate it in Shin Godzilla. It does not fit in that film at all. 
But I, I think that whole soundtrack just doesn't fit. You're wrong, but whatever. <laughs> but in this, I'm like, this is perfect. This works. This is nice. And I love the track they play afterwards, too, called Break Down the Body, which I swear, it's it sounds... I don't know if it actually is in Ava, but it sounds exactly like something that would play in Ava. I mean, it is Shiro Sugisu. Um, I was going to ask, did Shiro Sugisu do the score for Shiro Sugisu's done every Ava um, soundtrack. So, oh. yeah. <laughs> well, they, um, they didn't do uh, Cruel's Angel's Thesis. Well, n- no, because of actual, like, I don't know what which company did Cruel Angel's Thesis or Fly Me to the Moon, but whatever. It was um, just Cruel's Angel Thesis is Kino. This is true. Um, but, yeah, because I know Shin Godzilla used, like, a an dun, instrumental dun, version dun, dun, of an... Dun. It, it uses an... Well, yeah, there's obviously that, but it also used an instrumental version of an unused track from Ava 3.0. Oh, um, Really? It's like it's like around the same scene as early morning from Tokyo. Um like there's a close up shot of Rando Yaguchi and there's like this sort of somber toned music. Mm-hmm. I, I wish I could describe the scene more thoroughly, but it's been a while. <laughs> it's okay, um, we're not this isn't our Shin Godzilla episode. This is true. This is very true. But yeah, no. I, I think these two scenes with with Asami and introducing um Shinji Ultraman are also very good. Very funny, too. I love it when, um, like, Shinji, you know, he's got this pile of books putting up a little wall between him him and his understanding of humanity. Um, maybe I'm reading too much into it, but whatever. Um, and just his whole first conversation with Asami on what do I call these people around me? Mm-hmm. It's a very funny scene. And just his awkward reaction when he's looking around. <laughs> right. But I I love the fact that like Ultraman has to understand like Ultraman's learn. learning. Yeah. That's amazing. I love that idea. That's a great idea. And that's something that I I one of my complaints on this film is that I I want this to be I want more of this. I'd like I wish I kind of wish this was a show just so that I could see more of this cast and you know more of this Shinji, more of this Asami, more of this Tamara. I'd I'd like to see more of them because I really do enjoy the dynamics these characters have, mm-hmm. and I think you could push it further. You know, right? I also I wanted to point out I love the Higuchi nod for the Thunderbirds because he. <laughs> yeah it's subtle and you have to be like in the know to get that but i thought that was hilarious i thought that was really cool yeah you've got what was it thunderbirds the what's it the, called the one from star trek uh the enterprise yes yes i think there's even like a i think there might even be like a go tango or something there i don't think there is but yeah i i, I love and I love the build up to her reveal. Uh, a yes, Agami. What's her name? Asami. 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 Yeah, I loved her reveal. Like I don't know why they built up her reveal, but 
Mm. I thought it, it was cool that I they, think it works well. Yeah. And then we also get the reveal of the Ultraman or the uh, SSSP, their phone. I was a little disappointed. Oh, yeah. I, I was no, hoping no Ghidorah. for Ghidorah. But I also I like the fact that it was the pennant sounds. Mm-hmm. I thought that was a nice little detail. Yeah. And also I want to point out that all of the kaiju roars for these for the kaiju are the originals. Yeah. Which I'm I'm kind of surprised but also not because Toho did work on this film. Mm-hmm. They're not going to sue. I mean to be fair, like the Varan roar used for these kaiju is still used in new gen ultra. So, oh really? Yeah. I mean, even some of the later Ultra series like that were produced after like Subaraya had fully split with Toho because they split in like nineteen in sometime in the nineties. Um so like Ultraman Nexus, you can still hear like some Ibera roars, you can hear Mecha Godzilla 2's roar um with certain ca- uh, kaiju, etc. etc. Okay. Interesting. Yeah. So that's not really surprising, to be honest. Okay. Well, see, I haven't explored past, like, episode yeah, five of Ultraman. Yeah, you're not a true fan. <laughs> <laughs> the political comedy... Sentence is continuing. The political comedy I also thought was funny, um, because in between Naranga and Gabora, uh, don't they... Isn't the line... Uh, it must be nice to be a dominant country. Ah, uh, isn't I, I that? I love the bit. I love the bit where um, so in the Naranga, oh not Naranga, in the Gabora fight, before before Gabora has come on on top of like the onto the surface level because he starts underground. Mm-hmm. Um, so they bomb him with stealth bombers, um, and there's a joke oh. about where the guy who not the Captain Tamara, but the guy who actually runs the SSSP. Um, he, there's a joke with him, like telling his assistant, uh, make sure they build the defense, make sure they build a defense ministry, not us. And then he just smiles at him. <laughs> there, there's a lot of, that's like, one of my favorite lines in the film. The comedy in this film is kind of, is, I thought is pretty decent. It's, it's pretty on point at certain parts. Mm-hmm. It, in one way kind of bashes like the it must be nice to be a dominant country like the fact that like that little jab i think it's funny i mean there's also some interesting wordplay with like guy sajin um which could perhaps be a bit of and that's what the aliens are referred to in the japanese dialogue which could be some political commentary perhaps on you know the relationship between Japan and how it treats foreigners and like mm-hmm. possibly xenophobia in Japan. Um, yeah. Ultraman is, is xenophobic. So <laughs> <laughs> that was said on a podcast. So it can be said on another one, right? <laughs> That's how this works, right? I can repeat that. Oh dear God. And I, I'm the exact opposite of that dude. I've never watched Common Rider. I've just watched Ultraman. Yes. I don't. I am not actually meaning that. I just wanted to make that reference. But yeah. So like, 
and again, that's another thing continuing from Shin Godzilla. We've got this sort of political, political, blah. No, I can't speak. Political comedy, political commentary here and there. Um, it's definitely not as prevalent as it was but in Shin Godzilla by any means. I think it does something better than Shin Godzilla in that regard. In Shin Godzilla, it's a satire on the Japanese government, right? Yeah. But you have lines like, my noodles are soggy. I knew taking this job would be difficult. I hate that line. I think it's really left field. It's it's the quirky comedy like that that I can't stand in Shin Godzilla. There's not a lot of it, but what there is, I'm not a fan of. Eh, but in know. Shin I... Ultraman, it I don't know if it's winking at the camera per se, but it it knows what it is and I think it, it tries to run with it. Mm-hmm. I mean they I go mean, as I far think as it also works better tonally mm-hmm. with this too. I agree. Cause since this is Ultraman, it's a lot more lighter. Mm-hmm. Whereas Shin Godzilla I, I wouldn't quite call it a dark film, but it, it does have its dark moments, I'd say. Right. Um, particularly when Godzilla shows up, there is this, not ominous... Um, Boating? He's very imposing. Imposing, Let's yeah. say. But there's also, in like, another, another thing is, like, how self... Self-aware. I feel like that term is overused now, but like oh, definitely. The, the fact that they establish kaiju only appear in Japan for some mm-hmm. reason. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's a lot of other little things like that, like um, is Ultraman clothed or not, you know? Mm-hmm. And I like how they're little lines and they don't they don't linger on them. They say it I mean, and they little move force on. That, that would be, you know, someone would wonder. And you've got, um, so Naranga and Gabora appear in this, right? Yeah. Both oh, I know what you're about to mention. Then, um, were portrayed with a modified Baragon suit. Now, during the Ultra Q section, um, the prologue, there we get a brief appearance from Pagos, a, a kaiju from Ultra Q that was the first of the kaiju to be modified from the Baragon suit. And there's a and they there's acknowledge a, line, it. a couple lines in the film where they're like, yeah, they they are very similar to each other in appearance and in biology. Yes, and I love that. <laughs> it's and it's a little it's a it's a wink at the camera in a way, and it's a reference to Baragar. I love that. Mm-hmm. I thought that good good. It, it would have been a good cost cutting method. Had it actually saved them more time and money. Right. <laughs> Which it only did for Pagos. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I think, though, we should move into the Gaboreth because we're, we're like... We're, we're basically, we're like, on tiptoeing it. into it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I like Gaboreth's redesign here, but I also think it's it's more anime with the extreme mm-hmm. drill and then the tentacles. Sure, sure. It's I, it's definitely not as not as 
faithful, I'd say, to say Tom Narita's art like Naronga was. Um, I feel like though, but as... also mind you, it was also a different artist who who did um, Gabora. I want to say it was Takeyuki Takea who did Gabora, and Gabora stayed relatively close to like the original design Takea did in like I think it was either 2018 or 2019 for it. Mm-hmm. Um, so he also did a design for Naronga. That was when at, that was at the stage where Naronga and Gabora were intended to look virtually the, the same, but have you know a different head. But eventually, Naronga was changed completely, and so Mahiro Maeda did a new design for Naronga, and that ended up becoming what the final one looked like. Gotcha. Now, I, I'm, I'm what? What do you think about this? I think. As the film continues, the characters that appear slowly get farther and farther away from their original yeah, counterparts. Yeah, I, I wouldn't say you're wrong there. I wouldn't say you're wrong there. They're the last two characters who appear, um, like the last two enemy characters that appear in this film, I was, I was actually surprised by their redesigns. Um, mm-hmm. But, um, and I don't want to dive into them just yet, but I, yeah. I, I just wanted to throw that out there and see what you would do with that statement. I'll say, I do like all the designs in this film. Uh, yeah, I, there, I have some issues with them, but the ones, even the ones where I took issue with them initially... I, I, in the context of a film, I think it does work. Um, okay. I, I, I have some opinions on that, but I don't, I don't want to dive into it. Yeah, it's, it's hard to say without talking about those specific characters. But we definitely will uh, as yeah. we continue to go here. I, I think Ghidorah, Ghidorah. Oh boy, Gabora. <laughs> Oh I, man, Ghidorah's I, in this Ultraman film. When are we getting? When are we getting the Zone Fighter crossover? Right. I do feel like Gabora is worse than Naranga, and even I in agree. Execution, because I've edited. Believe it or not, I edit stuff. I have my Just, doubts, but sure. <laughs> so I know I know Adobe Premiere Pro effects when I see it, and for me. Upon my first watch, while watching Gabora Tunnel, I could see they were using the uh, the Adobe uh, preset for the particles. Oh yeah, him tunneling doesn't look very good. <laughs> no, um, and like they don't they don't composite composite it well at all. And no. I just I I'll, remember I'll agree, the tunneling when he's on the ground that does not look very good. I think it. I think it looks cool when he finally like jumps out of the ground. I think that looks awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, and we've got the Toho King Kong roar as well. <laughs> yes, which is nice. But I, uh, speaking of sound effects, I think the explosions because when they when they uh, drop the bombs from the B two bombers onto Naranga, or not Naranga Gabora. Oh God! Yeah, uh, it sounds like they just. Because it was edited with Adobe, so I know it's Adobe stuff. 
it sounds like they just put that sound of that explosion sound effect and then like cut it and then put the next one and then cut that like cut them short and it just sounds like they just repeated it over and over I'd and have, over i'd have to i'd have to look at it again you, you honestly could be right um I'd, I'd have to look at it again to be sure but like at least for me the gabora fight started to show i don't know if it was rushed or what but the editing process i think on the effects side starts to like the the gabora fight to me stands out as there's two fights in this in this movie that i feel like the effects just don't work and the gabora fights one of them for the the specifically the sound effects for the explosions the tunneling effects for Gabora, and then mm. the Ultraman flying kick. Oh, what? That's the best moment in the fight. <laughs> I it just it looks weird it's to me. I it just it's so weird to me, bro. That's it's literally it, that moment gets the best reaction from everyone. I swear. <laughs> I just remember thinking, okay, that's a little weird. And I only say that because throughout the film, we do get some of those Ultraman spinning mm-hmm. moves, and they work better in those than in the kick. And I think it's just the animation. It almost reminds me of, I'm thinking of a superhero movie, uh, like Vision. Vision from the Marvel films, how Ultraman gets up and like, you know, gets back on the ground except the animation's a little less fluid and it feels like that keyframe, like point A to point B, not natural. Mm. That's kind of how I... I mean, I'll, I'll agree, like, the bit, like, just, like, the few seconds after the kick, where he's actually, like, landing on the ground. I'll agree, that doesn't look the greatest, but I love that fly, that spinning kick. That's hilarious. I like the <laughs> idea. I just feel like the execution isn't there. I don't know. I I just I think it's I think it's one of the funniest moments in the film. And see, for me, I and I, I get it, like the funny, the comedic stuff. But for me, I'm also wanting. I'm wanting. I'm pretentious. I'm pretentious. I want cinema. I want serious stuff. And I was talking with Nathan about this, and it it goes it goes to my my whole gripe with modern kaiju which is the idea that you can't do a kaiju film without laughing at it. Mm-hmm. I mean, here's the thing. I I don't I I think I I can agree with you there to an extent, but I feel like this is an Ultraman film. This is an this is a not quite a remake, but a reimagining of the 66 show. I feel like not having some, I feel like not having comedy here, just, I don't feel it would capture the spirit without, without having some of the comedy. But I don't know if it was played as comedy in the original. Uh, I mean, there's the human stuff. Yes. And I think the human stuff works. Mm -hmm. The kaiju stuff though. 
And and to that, I also I want to point out I haven't seen it, so I can't really comment on it. But this is what Nathan pointed out to me. If we're talking about Ultraman movies that want to take the original but reimagine it, Ultraman the next mm-hmm. does not go the comedic route whatsoever. I don't know if you've oh, seen. Oh yeah, no, Abs- absolutely not. It it's pretty just. It plays everything pretty straight in that movie. I feel like uh, Ultraman the Next is the antithesis to Shin Ultraman. Sure. Sure. Just from I what I've disagree. heard. I wouldn't necessarily disagree there. Um, I mean, Ultraman Nexus is, ve- is very different because whereas Shin Ultraman is a collection of like different stories or different episodes, Ultraman the Next is very much like a very... Is an entire is pretty much an entirely original take on like the first episode of Ultraman, sort of. Okay. Um, in a sense, because you've got you've got Ultraman, and you've got your one monster, your your new version of Benula, both coming from like space pods um, that go to Earth. One of them crashes with um, a pilot, etc. He becomes Ultraman, etc. I haven't seen it, so you just spoiled all of it. Oops! Hey, I haven't spoiled the. I, I haven't spoiled much. I only told you about like the first five minutes. Oh well, I guess we're even now, right? Yes. Okay. Good. So I, I don't know. I just I like to keep things semi straight, which is one of my gripes with modern kaiju. So the the. When when they try to make I would, it, I would agree with you for any film other than this one. I feel. See, and I, I just I like the idea of keeping it like the 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 lines throughout the film that the humans say that are like that's funny. In the film, it's not funny. Mm-hmm. Like they play it serious. They, they're they're very enduring, and I think I, I like that. I like that a lot. So. That's that's just kind of my take on the comedy, um, and I, I I think the kick in just the Gabora fight I think is the worst of it. Um, yeah. Outside of that, I I feel like they do a good job at keeping it all pretty straight. Mm-hmm. But I, I I also thought it was cool with the whole nuclear warning. Yeah, that was something I, I wasn't mean, expecting. Add some- that adds some good tension to the sequence as well. Right. Um, and then the establishment from the Ultra Q stuff comes back here. And then, yep. like, we get more, which I think is a nice a nice little payoff. And then it's fun when everyone, when Shinji disappears to become Ultraman and when... Yeah, after, how he just walks away. Yeah. And then when... And then Asami's confused by it. And then she's even more confused when he just shows up after Gabor has been defeated. <laughs> and then even Tamara's like, I don't know, man. He just went. Which is a nice little callback to the original show because Hayata would just disappear. Yeah. And no one would question it when he showed back up. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I, and from here, I feel like I'll explain my overall opinion on this at the end, but from the Gabora fight, I feel like it starts to become 
bit of a mess with its mm. pacing. I don't know. I, I, I'll agree. The pa- the pacing of this film is very unusual. Um, I'll, I'll agree with that, but I don't take any issue with it. Honestly, I, I think this film is pretty, pretty much kind of a breeze to watch for me. Um, my first watch, I sort of took some issue with the pacing, but afterwards, every subsequent time I, I watched it, I didn't take any issue with the pacing. I thought it was just a fun breeze. See, I will say uh, that the film is easy to watch. It's an easy watch. Hmm. But I don't think it's that's... it's probably the easiest Ultraman movie to recommend to someone who to an outsider uh, to the Ultra series as well. For me, the fact that it's an easy watch is not good entirely. It's kind of good, but I there, there's also an issue with that. And I'll, I'll talk. I, I want to hold off on that till I get to like my final thoughts. Okay, um, but. I, I do think the pacing here, because both Gaborah and Naranga are very quick. Yeah. I mean, the Naranga section's only like maybe maybe 10 minutes, and that's including the um, that's including the Ultra Q prologue as well. Mm-hmm. And then Gaborah's even, like, Gaborah's probably 10 minutes too, 10, 15. It's about 15 or 20. If, if you include like the bit with Masami, uh, Asami showing up. Sorry. I keep getting tripped up because Asami's actress is named Masami. Masami. <laughs> okay. <laughs> now you're going to get me confused. <laughs> but you know, from, from here it gets, it gets weirder because this is where the Kaiju stops. And now we transition to our aliens. Yes. Which is weird. So And I think this section that we the net the this section that we're going on to, which features Zarab, um I I think this is probably the weakest section of the film. In the grand scheme of things, I feel like it's the most useless. I wouldn't say it's quite useless. I just that there's some there's some things in the writing where I'm like, okay, I see how this plays in later, but I don't get why what, it what, was done. What do you mean by so, that? So specifically, my the main example I'm talking about with this is so Zarab sees humanity as a pest and he wants to destroy humanity, right? Mm-hmm. Um. It's not really clear why, um, but that's sort of the thing. Um, Zarab needs to get rid of Ultraman, and then so he can, so that he can pretend to be Ultraman, and through some sort of convoluted set of events, lead to humanity destroying themselves, pretty much. Which I think is probably because of like the laws that aliens have in this universe, which is sort of established in this sequence and the next one. Could you could you establish what's established in this part here, just in um, case? So basically, alien the aliens um, humanity is not very advanced when compared to any of the other alien life forms, the alien life forms seen. Um, so 
the aliens are limited in what they're allowed to do with humanity. They're allowed to like use biological resources. So like the, the more primitive creatures that are already on the planet and to, they're allowed to talk with humanity and sort of lead them in directions, but they're not allowed to directly, directly like attack humanity or, you know, that sort of thing. Right. Um, so I think what Zarab's doing is he's trying to manipulate humanity into destroying themselves just as a workaround for that. Mm-hmm. But like one thing I don't quite get his motivation for doing is revealing Shinji to be Ultraman. Yes, this is where I think the creative decisions get weird. Mm-hmm. Like I said, after the G- Gabora thing, it kind of starts to fall apart for me. And I don't think it... I don't think the movie falls apart. I At think least in, all these sections are good. Um, I think I think the next section might might even be the best, um, or at well, least my let favorite me, in the movie. Let me clarify real quick. When I say fall apart, I mean like uh, to be honest. Up until this point, I feel like I've been very positive. Mm-hmm. I, I yes. feel like up to this point, you would you would think I really like this movie. Yes, but during this section it's where my opinion starts to degrade because mm-hmm. i don't understand the reveal of shinji as ultraman mm-hmm. i i don't i don't like that i like the fact i like the idea that if if anybody finds out that shin hayata is ultraman he's screwed the same for mm. Dan Moriboshi or Go or any of the, the Showa hosts that there's that fear of like, if they reveal themselves, they're screwed. It's like a rule that they can't reveal themselves. Mm. Um, I'm trying to remember which one's a specific. I want to say it was Return of Ultraman where Go had to yeah. reveal himself at the end. And because he revealed himself, he had to go back to M seventy eight. I think that I think that might be Ace. Yes, that's Ace because Go uh, Go just got depressed and basically was like, "I give up." Go just left on his own accord. <laughs> but he I left, think it um, is Ace. Whatever the kid's name was. Yeah. Um. Yes, yeah, it is I, Ace. Yeah. I. I'm fine with him revealing Ultraman to you know who ultraman is to uh ssp cast and the rest of the world even um i just think that i i don't really like how it happens in the film i don't think it makes like a youtube video that just Mm -hmm. that zara puts online for some reason and like it's there was no camera so it just i mean it's 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 established that zara can like manipulate cameras and stuff so right. maybe so he just made he, the video himself with his hand wave ascend ascended powers that i'm fine with i can suspend my disbelief enough for that right um just because of like the scene earlier when we first are introduced to zara where he's you know he completely destroys a computer and then just restores all the data mm-hmm. and we're we're used to uh beings being able to uh, manifest videos out of thin air. Yeah. Um, like, so that part I'm fine with. 
it's just I don't get why he needed to do this, you know? Mm-hmm. It doesn't... It, it's there to add some drama for some later sequences, but I don't think it's a necessary bit of drama. Right. Um, and in a way, I, I, I like the fact that the fact the video is out kind of curses Shinji. Mm-hmm. Like, because that video has been watched... Uh, they're screwed or he's screwed specifically. Yeah. I mean, he can't go anywhere without the government knocking on his door. <laughs> and like now he's even being threatened of like death. Like he mm. could die because now mm. everybody knows who he is. Yeah. Because of the manifested I mean, they point video. I like on multiple occasions. <laughs> you know, I real quick, I just, I'm, I'm tired of playing the bits. Do you, are you not picking up what I'm putting down? Beings no. manifesting videos out of thin air, cursing people that could lead to them dying. Oh. Oh. <laughs> oh. <laughs> it's your thing, Rex. Sorry, I wasn't I wasn't paying attention to your wordplay. I was thinking about the movie itself. We haven't mentioned any other Toku well. No, we have actually. Um, we we've talked heavily about Shin Godzilla and the original Ultraman. Yeah, well, and those Ultra are Q. relevant here. I don't think Ring is the most relevant to Ultraman. Yes, Sadly. but it's Sadly. your thing to like Shut even Shut even in the Shut stuff up. that Shut doesn't up. matter. You talk about it. It's your bit. Mm-hmm. Well, well, I Zerub is up. the new Sadako. No, I mean the CG is better than some of the late, than some of the later Ring movies. So to be fair, <laughs> but keep going um, with what you were saying. I've, I've now lost half my track. <laughs> you were talking about the kind of the the weird bit about how Zerub's reasoning for revealing Shinji to the world as as Ultraman. Yeah, it's, I don't know, it's, I just don't see a reason for him to do that when he can just, you know, he can kidnap Shinji like he does, hold him in his place, in like his warehouse or whatever, and then just go on his plan of, of being the fake Ultraman. Right. And blah, blah, he, blah. like, to be honest, while, while watching the rest of the movie, there's no reason for him to be known to the it barely affects the plot. Yeah, I don't, I don't think there's enough of a reason. It it has an impact in a couple of scenes, but honestly, it's just it's I it's not a necessary thing to be right. in here. And just like in the original show, it does not build this giant world full of people. Like the cast is only maybe a dozen people at mm-hmm. most. It's based around the SSSP yeah, that, that's your that's your the extent of your like reach. main cast. For, well, like the only people in the film is your your government officials, your government yeah. individuals. Yeah, but some of them aren't in the SSP. Like you've got the prime minister, you've got um, right government man as he's known. Right, but because. It's just people in the government. 
the idea of him being revealed to the world doesn't make a huge mm. enough impact. There's not in his, I mean, you see people like it's not like Godzilla versus Megalon where nobody is in the film and it just feels empty. But the the farthest they go is the fact that videos are posted. Hmm. I mean, there's also like gov- other government agencies like trying to, but it's like, just the government hunting down. And then there's, I mean, news news articles are also um, right. But it, it, like you don't on, like, see it Shin outside of a few army. a few things though. You don't see it outside of that. Sure, sure, I'll agree with that. I don't know. It just to me, it feels like this unnecessary. It's it's there to add drama for a couple scenes later, but yes. yeah, I'll agree. It's unnecessary. And I, I like the fact that I, I would have been fine if the if the science patrol found out. Yeah. Like they they get like that makes sense. And I like that because that, that creates this new dynamic between all of them. Yeah. And I, I think that could create something interesting. I mean, we see that with the nerd, like it, it, it gets to the point where he just says it's, it's in your hands. Yeah. Like he, yeah, he loses a lot of faith in himself and humanity. Mm-hmm. And it's an interesting arc that plays into the themes of hope that the film has. Right. And then your biologist, in a way it kind of makes her more determined. It builds her, her courage, her hope up your leader. He now, I I feel like at that point he starts working with his team even better. I feel like the strategies develop and his faith in them Mm. grows. And he, I love Hitotoshi Nishijima in this movie. I want more of him. (laughs) And then you have, uh, Asami, who's been trying to figure out Ultraman the entire time. And now yeah. that dynamic has completely altered. Yeah. And because of that, we and also see... And then the see... romance is also established, too. What was that? And then also there's a bit of a a slight romance that's established, too. Okay, I was going to ask if that actually happened, because I definitely picked up... It It, it is meant to be a romance. Like, the tagline of this film is literally fantasy and romance. <laughs> okay, cool. So that the the fact that she's clearly in love with him is yes. Okay. Good to know because that was a subtle thing in the original show too between Fuji and Hayata, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it I it's there but it's never really it it doesn't go anywhere. Particularly yeah, because they're the the only the farthest that any Ultraman show goes with romance is goes girlfriend gets absolutely <laughs> demolished <laughs> and then he becomes a depressed person Un- okay unironically one of the best episodes of any Ultraman show though because it's so shocking it's it is actually this is a great thing to bring up because that episode is so fast and so quick and does so much that is a perfect representation of Shin Ultraman because there is so much that happens and it's so quick and it's hard to follow all of it. I mean, 
it, it, it just adds to the fact that Hideaki Anno is absolutely in love with Return of Ultraman. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and that episode specifically just... It's, it adds so much to Go's character for a 20-minute episode. Mm. And if I remember right, it doesn't even have a second part. No, it does. It does. It does? Yeah, that's when Ultraman and Seven show up in the second part. That's right. That's right. And I would argue that that's, that episode was – that's like the key to the series right there. That that That's the peak. It is probably the single best episode of that show. And – Like as, if, as long as you ignore the stock footage, I say. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's the one caveat. That's the one thing I don't enjoy of that episode. And so for me, at least, like, just thinking about that and, and, and you know, the, the connections to Anno and, and Shin, uh, Shin Ultraman, like... Shin Ultraman, new Ultraman, like the name that Ultraman Jack had for many years. Hmm? Exactly. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Anno is good at doing a second Shin of something because he's also doing the second Shin Kamen Rider. Mm. This is true. It just yeah, it, you you can really feel the return of Ultraman vibes. And oh, definitely. That, that just, you know, it's it's I don't think it's crazy that Return of Ultraman is really the only Ultraman to have a I mean, Ultraman 80 out of the show Ultraman 80 has, also has like failed attempts at love. I haven't watched mm-hmm. too far, but I know that you're the main, uh, the main, the host of eighty has problems getting girlfriends. Mm. But like, go goes whole relationship is like one of the best in the series that I've seen so far in the it's series. One of the best aspects of that show, mm-hmm. and it's what made Return of Ultraman stand out. Oh, definitely. And I, I think it's clear that that influence is is prevalent throughout Shin Ultraman. Oh, definitely. Um, and I know Arno was a bit disappointed um, in how it – he was – I believe he was disappointed in that he didn't quite get to develop this relationship as much as he wanted to. Mm-hmm. Which I think is a fair because I do feel it's – it's a little Had underdeveloped. Underdeveloped, yeah, yeah. It stops right before it starts. Hmm. Does that make sense? Kind of, kind of. Like at the, there's a bit of like the, like Ultraman being unintentionally like flirtatious, um, mm-hmm. in a couple scenes, and then it, yeah, it kind of just stops by the end. But I, I thought it, I, it was really nice to see Asami like go on the separate mission, mm. even though we don't. We she gets in a car and drives. Like it doesn't feel like there's much of a mission. Mm. Uh, she she does go out and saves him, and then you know we get the payoff of uh, Shinji calling Asami buddy, mm. which I thought that, that was nice, and then I loved. The out of nowhere imitation Ultraman just grabbing Asami. Yeah. And then we get an amazing transformation sequence. I, I think the Bro. best in the in the 
in the I film. I wish the trailer t- did not spoil that because that was so awesome. Mm-hmm. And I love how in that scene specifically, Ultraman holds his pose. Yeah. For a and solid... I love him popping out the building like he does in, cer- in certain episodes of the show too. Mm-hmm. God, it's so cool though. And then, correct me if I'm wrong, but Imitation Ultraman looks more like 66 than Shin, right? No, Shin is Shin is pretty close to the Type C suit, which, mind you, wasn't used in. I I don't think it was used in the original episode with Sarah because I, I, I think was still when they were in the B suit. I think I bring this up because I noticed throughout Shin Ultraman, it changes, and by the end, it doesn't look like how it started. Mm, does it? Yes. By the end, it looks like a normal Ultraman. I I know, like, obviously, the type A um, is different than how it looks afterwards. But after after that very first sequence, from, like, the Gabora fight onwards, it looks like the type C uh, head. See, I felt like it altered again. I feel like, I feel like there's the three changes. You have type A, type C, and then at the end, it looks like the modern Ultraman suit because even the arms are no longer the long, slender ones. They're like normal, regular size. Mm. I sw- I'm not. I'm, I swear. I swear. If you watch is this, it, is this is this during the final, like the ending? Mm. But uh, maybe maybe imitation Ultraman doesn't doesn't look like sixty six more than Shin does. But mm. I, I I will say I wasn't a huge fan of the fact that you couldn't tell them apart. You like can, in, you can. Yeah, the eyes are different. Are they? Um. Yes. Yes. Ultra. The real Ultramans are more rounded. Um. Is imitation more jagged? I'd have to. Yeah. I'll have to watch yeah. the film again whenever. Bro, there's literally there's two shots that call out to it. <laughs> they call out that at two separate points. They do like during his first during his first appearance at the factory. There's a shot of his eyes, mm-hmm. and then there's another, and then just when the fight begins, there's a shot of um, the imitations eyes, a close up of his face, and then you see Ultraman. And his okay. face, and you can and you can see the more rounded shape on Ultraman's eyes. Okay, hmm. I see. <laughs> I must have missed that then. It's more distinct in the Shin Ultra fights where they slightly changed the color of Imitation Ultraman. I to see be a bit brighter. Okay, I thought it looked decent. So this is the best of the alien fights. I will say that. Really, I like the fighting of. Ultraman, I re- I think it's really cool how Ultraman hits uh, Asami up and then does the kick mm. and then catches <laughs> Asami. And, like, when Ultraman puts her down, like, that screamed Ultraman to me. Like, that felt oh, very, yeah. that very is a, Ultraman. That is a great Ultraman moment. Mm-hmm. That's something that all, that even, like, new-gen shows capture pretty well when they do bits like that. I'm, gl- I'm glad it came here. Because, you know, as much as I don't mind missing the grunts uh 
if if you're not going to have them, you got to have a moment like this. I'd say it. I agree. I agree. And there's something about the romance that's kind of brewing. But when Ultraman looks at Asami, it kind of feels like there's a little bit of romance, like s- some sort of feeling there, mm-hmm. of, a I mean, feeling I mean, of compassion. That, got, that I think Anna and Higuchi both understand the idea that Ultraman's mask is designed in a way where depending on the angle you look at it, you can sort of sense certain emotions from that subtly. Mm-hmm. And so I think they do play with that well at, at a couple points in this sequence, mm-hmm. specifically that one shot. And like the fact that they include the hands in the giving form in that shot I think helps the film or helps that that sequence feel like Ultraman is more compassionate, more giving because they're mm. the way they yeah. framed it. Yeah, definitely. Oh, absolutely. Now we, we've been talking, I guess we can finish up with the fight, but I, I do want to really talk about Zerub mm-hmm. because I, the ideas with him are so interesting to me. Mm-hmm. Um, I love the flying fight, and I love how Zerub kind of phases out of the imitation Ultraman. I think it looks oh, yeah. really cool. Um, I think that's cool. I, I like the bit in the fight where he actually is Zerub. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the imitation bit is okay. I, I, it's cool that it's a reference to like the '66 fight, because um, like there's a shot where they just straight up recreate a shot from the '66 fight where they're walking. Around the park? No, 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 no. It's when Ultraman like slaps him on the head. Oh yes, yeah. That's straight up just a shot from sixty six. Um, I think it's it's cool, but I don't know. I, I kind of would prefer original fight choreography there, but whatever. It's a small moment. It's nice, and I do. I like this fight with Sarah. But I think it's a. It's not my favorite fight in the film, but I do quite enjoy this fight. Mm-hmm. Um, and I love the flying. The flying is great. The the flying is great. I'll agree with you there. Now I do think it's, and it's a little... cool that we get the um the saw. Yes, <laughs> that's a nice way to end the fight. <laughs> I I agree with that. And we got that Ultraman brutality of Zarab getting cut in half. Mm-hmm. And then the explosion in the sky. Uh, maybe a little not a uh, homage to when Ultraman blew up the spaceship. Cause wasn't the zero spaceship. Like, I feel like that was the Boltons. Um, was it? No. Or cause the Boltons had, had the spaceship of their entire population that Ultraman committed genocide on. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. <laughs> I mean, it could have still been a slight homage to that. I don't know. Maybe. I don't, there, know. I don't remember Zerab, Zerab having a spaceship, but admittedly, been a while since I saw that episode. Yeah, it's been a while since I've watched Reginald Ultraman. But, like, I, I, I loved I loved the flying fight, and I loved how Ultraman grabbed Zerab on the back, and the design here is really interesting. They make it so Zerab appears full, like, real when you look at him head on, but when you look behind the curtain, when you, when you see what's beyond that, that 
that front, there's nothing, which is mm. kind of metaphorical for, for what Zerub's doing. It's all a, a, a show because he's not really – he's a very fake character with his plans and what he's trying to do. I mean he manipulates um, the Japanese government into becoming subservient for him. Right. But I, I – well, I'll, 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 I'll mention my gripe with that here in a bit. But I, I think it's so cool that they did the the invisible back. But Ultraman grabs the back, and he grabs like there is an actual back there. And I thought yes, that was really is, cool because like, objects interact with it, mm-hmm. like the debris and particle effects. Um, I'm not a fan of that personally. Really, I don't like that. I think it looks jarring. I think it takes me out of the movie. I think it's alien. And that's what I love about it. You see, I'll agree. It, it it does have the effect of making Zerub seem more alien. I'll agree with that. But to me, it just looks like the CGI model is missing. It, half the CGI model is just missing. That's how it looks to me. I, and to me, it just screams Higuchi's team didn't have enough, may have not had enough money may, or maybe not enough time to fully render Zara and that was a workaround that they just had to do to shorten the render time for the sequences um, involving him. Because I also think that the quality of the visual effects are probably at their worst in this sequence overall. Um, I would even like the green with screen that. with Asami looks pretty dodgy. I would disagree with that. I think the green screen with Asami is jarring, yes. Mm-hmm. I think it's obvious she's on the soundstage. Mm-hmm. But I, I don't think I would say that this is the worst of the film. It's looking like you're gearing up to completely just trash on my favorite part of the movie. Goddamn. <laughs> you know, I'm noticing something. We like the film for completely different reasons than we don't yes. like the film for completely. <laughs> like, we are the. Like, you like what I hate. And I hate what you like. And it's funny because we, we seem to agree more or less on the kaiju parts for the most part. We seem to be in more or less agreement there, but the alien parts we seem to diverge a fair bit. Yeah, I'm, I'm building up this... this, this what well, it's probably going to poop all in your cereal. <laughs> but I... Yeah, no, I think it's jarring because, like... You you can say it's an in, invisible back, yet yeah, sure, it, literally it is. Uh, but like, I don't know. It just it looks like a CG model that's just missing half of its body. But I feel yeah. like it's metaphorical. Right. I feel like there's metaphors. I doubt that. I it, any look, et you're allowed to engage with death of the author, but. I don't think it's intentional. I think it's I think it's a cost cutting method. Well, did they even design a back for Zerub? Do we know? Yes, yes, they did. I literally just disco- I just found art for it, like in our little discussion just before this. Okay, there is a back that was designed for him, so it does exist. It is real. I'm not insane. <laughs> Zerub, uh, backless Zerub. Oh, what's that meme? Zerub with back does 
doesn't exist. It can't hurt you. Zerub with back. Zerub without back doesn't exist. It can't hurt me. Oh, wait, it does. What did you think of Zerub's ability? The 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 very Iris inspired like what with the um like the lights whatever the I thought that was cool. I, I got thought it Iris cool, from actually. Gamera Three vibes from it. I sort of did um, like when he used it in the fight. Yes, um, specifically in the fight. Like when he when Ultraman's shooting his Specium Ray at him and then he uses it. Mm-hmm. That's sort of the moment where I'm like, oh, yeah, this kind of does remind me a little of Virus. I mean, hey, the fact that we're even able to make a Gamma Food comparison. That's good. good. <laughs> and Higuchi was effects on that, so. Uh, that's true. You know, this is a step up from the last Ultraman production Higuchi was involved in, which was also a remake of the original. Howard, right? Yes. Okay. That's what I thought. I know my Ultraman. This is amazing. This is a major step up over Ultraman Powered, which did have Gabora, and that was designed by Higuchi, I believe, huh. or Mida, one or the other. I see. Yeah, no, oh boy, we're at almost like two and a half, we're over two and a half hours in this recording, and we're only two we're out of three last, sessions. We're in the last third of the movie at this point. No, this is... The last two sections take up about half the movie. Which is a problem I have. Okay, I'm going to be honest. After Zerub, I feel like this movie just drags. I don't know. I, 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 I'll somewhat agree from my first viewing. I thought the pacing... After Gabora, I thought the pacing went a little funky, <laughs> mm-hmm. let's say. Well, but here's... I feel like... The Zerub section is part of my issue with that. Where the Zerub section almost feels like a finale, which is my problem. Yeah, I can agree with that to an extent. I, I can agree with that. And like it, it, based off of Ultraman lore, the the establishment of the franchise. Once Ultraman's identity is revealed, you're kind of at the end. But I mean, the thing is as well is that. The next section, uh, the section after the Zerub section also feels like a finale in its own right. Yes. Because of how it, how everything that has led up to it in the Naronga and Gaborah sections, as well as the Zerub section, play into a lot of the events and how they're related to our final opponent, who, or not our final one, <laughs> our, our next opponent. Uh, but our final... Netflix. Aware opponent. Mm-hmm. We'll we'll talk about why I said aware here in a bit, but yes. I just I can't stand the Mepfleys part. What I can't? Oh my god! I, you are both, actually insane. Both times you watching this in theaters, both times watching this, this is in theaters, the best part I of the am movie. done. Once this the zero ends, the best part I'm of done. The movie. It's. This uh, is I, I, I'm so bored. I'm like, move on. I'm tired. It's Keep li- moving. This is where bro, the film coach, slows down. Bro. Listen, listen, bro. listen. This is where the film, to me, takes a fast stop. Like, it's been moving so fast. And then it gets to the Mephles and it stops. 
I mean, and it does not move for 20 minutes. It takes 20 minutes to establish everything Mepfleece is trying to do. And then it tries to connect everything that happened prior to. And for me, this is where my statement that you are going to hate. This is where my statement comes in. This feels like a compilation movie. I feel like I've watched somebody okay. chop up a TV I kinda, movie I can kind or of TV agree show. I, this is, the Mephiles part is where I feel like okay, they they were they they had this show and they took the it best episode. Feel paced like a compilation movie. I'll, I'll agree with you there. What was that? I'll agree with you that it does feel like it's paced like a compilation movie. And at this moment. This is where I get that vibe 100% because they try to loop Zirab and Gabora and Naranga all together and saying Mepfleez is all behind this. And at this point... Mepfleez, that's what you keep saying. What? Mepfleez? That's, that's the Godzilla planet eating character. Oh, God. I thought you'd erase that from your mind, but anyways, Mephilis. Mephilis. Yes. At this juncture, Mephilis basically says, I'm the reason for all of this. And there's still like an hour, like 35, 40 minutes left of this movie. Mm-hmm. And it's so boring because everything we just had in the Zerub thing basically happens again, which is where the episodic feeling really. The issue is you have two kaiju and then two alien, and the stories are so much alike. It's so episodic. It just feels like they've crushed the show. I, I feel it could have worked a bit more if they had a kaiju section between Zerub and Mephiles. Or just put Gabora after, like, do Naranga, then uh, Zerub. And, and then, then Gabora. Gabora and That's how I thought it would have been. I, I thought it would have gone down like that. I, but was, it did I was not. expecting Zerub to be the second section of the movie, not Gabora. Mm-hmm. I wasn't expecting the kaiju to just be thrown out of the movie after the 30-minute mark. <laughs> right. And this, like, the Mephiles, it just... it It's where the episodic feel comes in. It's where it tries to tie everything together, and I think it's really weird because I felt like Zerub was too much of a big bad for his section... To not be doing his own thing. And I just. And the the Mephiles just. His whole thing drags. And I love the callback to. Uh, Asami being Fuji. Becoming being giant. Big. Yes, that's cool. I we like get that. Miniatures. Yes, that's the one sequence where we have tokusatsu effects. Mm-hmm. Which is nice. But it drags. And it just drags and drags and drags. And like, yes, stuff. It, it, it what the Mephiles section does to me is it ties up and basically ends everything from the Ranga Kaboran's, uh, uh, mm-hmm. I want to say Zemborgar, but I don't know why. Zerub. I don't know why I want to say Zemborgar. And then it sets up the final section. But mm. the Mephiles part, Mephiles, sorry. Yes, Mephiles. Mephiles feels like it should be the end. This movie should only be 90 minutes. 
I'll agree. It does feel like it. It, it does feel like the ending. And um, after this point, I'm like, because you've revealed Ultraman, you've done the kaiju, you've done the alien, you've like it. Just at this point, I check out. This is where I'm like, I'm just here. Man, I don't. I don't know, man. I I think this. I I think this section is just. I don't know. I really enjoy the section. I find it fascinating to see Mephilus's plan, you know, coming together in these different ways. I think Koji Yamamoto's performance as alien Mephilus is really interesting. It is interesting. And I do like, and I do like the contrast between him and Zarab where Zarab is more, more directly hates humanity and is more direct with what he wants. He wants them to be subservient to him, etc. Mephilus's plan is a lot more subtle and calculated. Um, it's a nice yin and yang, but for me, yeah. like if, if they were intertwined, if the two stories were intertwined, I think that would be a lot cooler. Mm-hmm. Seeing both of them at the same time and the the, the contrast instead of mm-hmm. like it, it almost feels like you're supposed to forget about the last the last uh, opponent once the story ends. Mm. I mean, there's yeah. I kind of I kind of think that issue kind of I feel like that issue plagues a little bit of uh, the entire film. To be yes. honest, yes, I agree. That that's an issue that is throughout the entirety of this film. But I I genuinely just find Mephilus a very interesting character, and I find his plan really interesting. With him essentially trying to enslave humanity without them ever realizing it, mm-hmm. and exploit them as a resource. That is interesting. That is a really interesting new take on the character. And I do love that. I love his performance. I do love the fact that they basically create, this is where they truly introduce alien politics. Mm. Because it becomes more relevant in this section of the film, which is an interesting concept. I love the idea of alien politics. Hmm. But I, I also – and I, I forgot to mention this in the Zero part. I really don't like how fast the Japanese basically like sign their rights over to aliens. It's like I – feel, I feel like that's part of the satire. <laughs> that Japan's very quick to just say, okay. I mean to be fair, they kind of are strong-armed into it by Zerub. This is true. And they, they do establish that, but for – and they establish a reason for why Japan would want to do this anyways, so that they can get the technological advancements as quickly as possible. Mm-hmm. It's very much trying to push Japan to be better, which is something I think the film intentionally does is like push this idea that Japan can be better. Maybe not so much on like their political leverage but just as like a country 
be more hopeful, more confident as as a country in their ability to do stuff. Mm-hmm. So I'm curious, do you, do you really check out during, do you really check out during the playground and, and bar scene though? Yes. The only thing good is the cinematography. If wow, it wasn't for the fact that we had already seen Ultraman interact with an alien, I feel like I'd be more interested. But it, it just kind of feels like we're going over the same. It feels like we're just repeating ourselves. It's episodic. Feels like a compilation. I, know, I, I think this. I think they're some of the best scenes in the movie. I think it's. I think it's such an interesting conversation. It is. But it's already been done. Yeah, but it's a it's a very different. It is, and it's done better. But it's already been done. I don't know. I just like. I li- I really enjoy these two scenes. I don't. Um, Why are we whispering? Well, you're wrong. I don't know. <laughs> we're we're trying to be like uh, Ultraman, and we're being dramatic. Yeah. I just. I don't know. I just. <laughs> If it wasn't for the fact that all of the stuff that basically happens wasn't already established differently granted, but already kind of done in the Zero episode, I think I like this one more. I just called it an episode. The section. Oh, episode section. Same difference in this movie, honestly. And like the idea there's a Shin Ultra fight, I'm like, how is that possible? This feels like a Shin Ultra fight. Like, did they just spoil the entirety of every fight in this? I guess that's why it came out after. Oh. It is just that, isn't it? Uh, watch an ultra fight. It's not just it. There were episodes that were just the fights, but then there were five episodes that were original content. Oh, really? They're very interesting. Now you have me interested. You should check them out. Some I, of them are really to. funny. I want to now. And I, I, I don't like the whole cubes thing. I don't get what it is with the last two foes being mechanical. I hate the whole cubes like forming, and that's how Mephless like. Yeah, I'm not too huge on the cubes with Mephless, but I'm fine with it. And I hate, I hate the fight. The fight's awful. What? It's it's awesome. It is the worst animated sequence in this entire movie. Bro, I think it's awesome. The, it, I'll agree there's a couple jarring shots in it, and, I, and at no point do I think the factory environment looks real. No, the whole factory fight's awful. No, it's great. No, it's not. It is not. It's awesome. It Dude, Zero awesome. jumping back looks awful. Like, there's a wide shot of Ultraman and Zerub, and Zerub jumps back to be farther away. It looks awful. Now, the idea of them having the little beam war is cool. And the little, like, spiel is cool, and seeing Ultraman turn from red to green is cool. Mm -hmm. But just the entire fight, it just, it doesn't look, this is the worst composited at least the worst composited sequence in the entire film you have to agree there yeah. you see i'll i'll say it 
It is the most CG looking. Uh, actually, no, I'd argue the Zara fight looks very CG as well. Um, but it's the worst composited. This, the Zero fight's covered in in darkness. Sure, but I don't think it looks very good. I think Ultraman's reflections look pretty bad at some points in the Zero fight. Um, where here, yeah, it can be a bit dodgy. It's definitely a bit dodgy, but I don't know. I just, I really like this fight, man. <laughs> I think it's 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 very short, but it's very fun. Um, I will yeah, say I <laughs> the Memphis fight is the Memphis section is the only one that feels like it's a complete episode. Like I feel like that could one hundred percent be like a modern Ultraman sixty six episode. I mean, I mean, it helps that it's literally twenty minutes long. <laughs> yes, yes, but it's the longest part in this movie, and I cannot stand that. Uh, <laughs> is it? Um... It's a, it's about the same length as the next one. Yes, but the next one, like, doesn't start... Well, no, I guess... Well, there's a little bit of a gap between them. Sure, a, a little bit. I'll, I'll agree it's the one with the most natural transition. Yes. Because it doesn't feel like, oh, we're just going to jump to the next situation. This is like, okay. It helps that they actually introduce that the... They partly introduce a conflict. <laughs> I mean, we can talk about it. Like, sure. The the appearance of Zofi. Yes. Is I, it's kind of humorous because Zofi's just kind of floating there in the back, <laughs> and I I can't tell if Memphis is like, oh crap, I'm about to get obliterated, or oh I'll just let Zofi handle this. I can't no, it's tell. An, it's an oh crap. If the earth is going to be destroyed, I better not stay here when this is going to go so, down. So, okay, that makes sense because of the whole device that's about to be used. He knows what it is. Because he knows the ultra, hmm. the, the planet he, of he light. He knows what code. the planet of, he knows, yeah, their code and all that. Because he does bring that up. Another issue I have with the fight, I, I need to bring this up. The song chosen for the fight is the most... It's great. It's awesome. It is the weirdest choice. It's so... con. The whole fight is very contrasting to the rest of the movie. And I think that's why I don't like it. Is it's st- It stands out the most. And for me, not in a good way. Man, you, you actually hate my, my favorite section of the movie. That is... Wow. Like I said, wow. I like the I've stuff you hate, and you opinions. hate the stuff, or and you, I like the stuff you hate, and I hate the stuff you like. Because this section is awesome. I love this section. I, I I don't know. I can't like it. Actually, I'm curious. What do you think of Mephlis's design? Because we haven't talked about the that. design is good. The cube like transforming and fabricating and reality, whatever. Whatever he does to become his form is horrible looking. Sure. But I think the design, I think up and I think Gabora is like the second worst design thing in this, in this film. Naranga looks the best. Zerub, I think looks good. I think Mep- Mephlis looks good. 
I I don't I don't know what to think of Zofi. I can talk about that since Zofi's been introduced. I I don't know what to think of Zofi. Zofi's like the thing I'm most like. I, I I'm not a big fan of him being yellow. Um, I I don't know if I'm I if I'm even a fan of him being in the film. I don't know. I'm fine with it. I get I mean, why I mean, he's good. in the film. I just I don't know if I like it. I don't know if I'm okay with it. I just I don't know. I don't know what to think of Zoffy being in this film. I'll say Mephilus and and our final opponent are definitely the most, the two that diverge the most from their original counterparts. In design in or execution? In in terms of design. Mm, I thought um, Mephilus looked pretty. I mean, pretty... I mean execution too. Um, for the later one. Let me hang on. Let me triple check here. I thought I thought Mephilus looked. Pretty. It, it it definitely looks like Mephilus, but for me, when I first saw this, bear in mind when I first saw this design, it was through I think it was an image from the theater pamphlet mm-hmm. of like when they're kicking at each other, and from that shot, you can't really see Mephilus's face. So honestly, I thought it was a completely different character. Like I genuinely didn't know who it was. I didn't think it was Mephilus. Mm-hmm. Oh. I, I completely forgot. We haven't talked about the beta capsule at all. Because oh, yeah. that's actually really relevant to the last two sections. I don't I didn't care for the the actual explanation they gave for all of it in in the Zerob section. Mm-hmm. I didn't like the fact that Zerob spilled all the all the tea. I think I was a little disappointed in that, like the mystery was gone. That's actually a Honestly, good I don't have a problem with it because I feel with all the alien politics going on, I think there's enough new mysteries here that have been introduced where I feel like giving some explanation to like how Ultraman Ultraman works. I think that's fine. I don't take any issue with it. And it's not even that it's particularly that particularly detailed. The only thing that gets like, substantial detail is the beta capsule and the beta box Mm -hmm. that Mephilus has. And the beta box brings in an interesting idea that we haven't seen in Ultraman, which is the ability of anybody having the power of the Ultra. Mm -hmm. And which creates a whole new conflict of because Ultraman showed up and merged with Shinji, he has proven that humans can use this power mm-hmm. which aliens like Mephilus will want to exploit because Mephilus is essentially <laughs> um, enslaving humanity for his own purposes. Uh, he he wants to be the first to take on this resource before anyone else can get to it. Yeah. The beta box also gives the human characters something interesting again. I will I will say mm-hmm. that the the human characters stay relevant which is good. They do a great job at writing the humans as relevant as possible throughout. The, the human side of this story works perfect. Mm-hmm. I think the human elements are perfectly well done. It's just the alien stuff that falls apart for me. Mm, I'll somewhat agree there. I'll I'll agree, but for completely different reasons to you, apparently. What, what's your what's your reasoning? I don't know. It's just 
I mean, I guess we share some of the same reasons with like the Zareb's section, like with him um, revealing Ultraman. That I, I I just can't get past how like why exactly does he want or need to do that? But like Mephilus's section, I think adds a lot to a lot to this world. And while I think the Zareb section is it it does have relevance to obviously the Mephilus section and it does set up some ideas that are brought up in the Mephilus section. I just I, I kind of agree with you where having one after another just doesn't work. And if I had to choose I would pers if there was one I would remove, it would be the Zareb section, like without any shadow of a doubt. I think it's by far the weakest. If the Zareb section the was removed, I would like the Mephilus section more. Mm-hmm. It's just the way this this film is structured, that I think is ruined. Mm-hmm. And that is why I do not like the Mephilus section, is because I feel like it is a waste of time on film. Yeah. I don't know. I, I think it's I think it's interesting enough where that is that is an issue um, with it being back to back with the Zareb section, but I just think Mephilus is, I just think Mephilus is too interesting for that to really affect my experience significantly. If I wasn't checked out, I would agree with that. If it wasn't for the fact that I feel like the zero of episode- yeah, you just want this movie to be as short as possible because you want to get out the theater because you hate Ultraman, you know. I have been I've been talking pretty positive about this up until the ending of the Zerob episode. Section not God stop you are gaslighting me. I am not a hater on this. If they if they edit altered the the the, the film, cut out the zero section and move up the Mephilus and leave the conclusion, cut like 10, 15, 20 minutes out, it would be fine. The film should be 90 minutes long, not 110 minutes long. I'll agree. An hour, 52 minutes, a bit, a bit on the long side. I'll agree with that. With that. I feel it could have been shorter. I agree. Just cut 20 minutes out, you're good. That that is that is the film's issue for me. Is it drags for thirty minutes, and that thirty mm-hmm. minutes feels like it's basically the Mephilus section and the final part, mm-hmm. give or take five ten minutes. That is what it feels like. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna do a fan edit of this movie. <laughs> but but what are you gonna do with like? Shinji's identity being known because of Zarab. Are you going to re-edit it so that it seems like Mephilus is responsible? Of course, yes. (laughs) Yes. Yes. Because then Mephilus will seem like he's manipulating even Ultraman. Okay, I will say this. Mephilus' character is really well done. Like, I I gotta Mm. get... I I love Coach Yamamoto's performance in this. I think it's... Him and and 
Masami Nagasawa as Asami. Mm-hmm. I think they're the two standout performances I agree. in the film. I agree. And I love the, 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 the gag. One of my favorite sayings. One of my favorite. And then oh, at the yeah. end, it subverts it with one of my least favorite sayings. Hmm. Watashi no suki na kotoba desu. <laughs> Weeb. Shut up. You didn't deny it. Speaking of weebs, um, our final section of the movie bears a, has a villain which bears a striking resemblance to some of Arno's previous anime works. I never thought about that. Really? To be fair, I've tried to ignore, like erase End of Evangelion <laughs> from my brain. <laughs> but I never well, thought I've... about that. That is true. Yeah. Okay. Because our final opponent, Zeton, is very much like an angel from Evangelion. I never thought about that. <laughs> okay, because I'm going to be honest. I thought the the concept of Zeton was great. Mm-hmm. I love the idea. Like this world destroyer that, like, I, I like I said, I'm I'm not sure how I feel about Zofi. But the idea that, like, they're just going to destroy the Earth because it's now a liability. Mm -hmm. And they bring this, like, gigantic robot to destroy the entire galaxy. And, like, that almost gives the Ultras this, you know, throughout the franchise, the Ultras are, like, well established as, like, this, not like the ruler's of the galaxy. They just protect the underdogs. Mm-hmm. But here it really gives them this like I mean I mean it also when you look at the relationship between ultra, the ultras to humanity in the law, because they are very similar species, which I think is something that this film actually sort of does with um Ultraman and Zofi talking about how this is a very precious species that is going down a very similar path to this to the Ultra species from right. the Land of Light. But I or Planet also, of Light, I think they call it here. The Planet of Light, yes. But I also really love the fact that in this final section, they the questioning of God comes in. Mm. Like the fact that they, they bring up the fact that uh, Ultraman is like a god to the people. And if you... I mean, this is the section where the themes all come to mm-hmm. fruition, and really. I love... Like, you could you could argue that Subaraya's Catholic uh, basis can be seen throughout uh, the original Ultraman and a lot of other... Mm-hmm. I mean, looking past the crucifixion stuff, like obviously that's amazing, but like you, you, the way you could interpret Ultraman, you could you could link it to some some Christian stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, death and rebirth, especially this pure being that is resurrected, and you could you can you can line stuff up. And the fact that, like, they, they, they kind of go all in here with that, I think is really amazing. Hmm. And now, like, now thinking about the end of Evangelion, 
and like just Evangelion in general with Zeton. I hate Evangelion, but that that's a cool connection that I didn't think about. Hmm. Because Zetan is so much like an angel, just in how he's how he's designed and how he's portrayed. Now, I hate his design. I think Zetan looks the worst out of all the, the designs in this film. I I like Zetan's design here. I I think it's cool. There's some designs that are closer to the original um, art and this or to the original sixty six design, and there are some that are a bit further apart. Same with Mephilus as well, where there's some that have a more like pretty clear looking face for Mephilus that is pretty clearly just his 66 face. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I, I feel it works for this. I think both Mephilus and Zetan, I think their designs are very different, but they work for these new interpretations. I would, I would agree up until Zetan. I, I just I think Zeton is so different that it just doesn't work as Zeton. I love the idea. I love the idea. Like I think the the last section, even though I've checked out, brings me back into it because it's a different. It's not an alien. It's not hmm. a kaiju. It's it's like this whole. It's a it's basically a robot. So the. I, mean, other... I think they I think they do say that Zetan is technically a living thing. Bio, yeah, because uh the biologist she says all bio weapons. Yeah. Yeah. She calls it a bioweapon, which they also refer to Naranga and Gabora as bioweapons. Yeah. So What are your thoughts on him being so goddamn massive as well? <laughs> I mean that goes back to the Eva thing. Uh, absolutely. Um, I mean, in the first, some of the angels. Uh, the yeah, some the, of the one at the end of End of Evangelion. <laughs> and, you know, I, I, in a way, End of Evangelion, I think, shares a lot of similarities to Shin Ultraman in, in its structure. Because didn't End of Evangelion uh, kind of compile some episodes and, like, try to reinvent... I mean, it reinvented the ending, it's, of course. Yeah, it's... I mean, you can... You can argue there's elements of, like, the... There's definitely, like, sort of elements of the original ending, like the original final two episodes, mm-hmm. where you can kind of see similarities between them. There's definitely... I know some people argue that you could... Uh, that they could perhaps both be canon at the same time, where like a point in the middle of a movie of End of Eva could could be where that sort of the original show's ending is, um, and the rest is in Shinji's head or something. Yeah, sure, something like that. Um, generally speaking, End of Eva is is almost totally its own thing. Okay. So, I mean, I, I don't know, it's just, like, when, when you brought up the Eva thing, I, I'm thinking about the angel that is, like, basically holding the world in the palm of her hands. Ah, uh, Ray Lilith. Yeah. And I, 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 like, Zeton reminds me of that because that's kind of the end of the world for 
Evangelion. Mm -hmm. And then here we have Zeton that's, that's boasting the end of the world. And it's up to Ultraman to try to stop it, but Ultraman knows he can't, so he leaves his his word, his teachings. See? Mm-hmm. See? see where, do you see where I'm going with this? <laughs> he leaves his teachings and his word with the people that believe in him who go through with it after he dies. And then mm. he awakens at the last moments to save the people that believe in him from the impending doom. I, I don't know yes. if it's, I, I don't know, maybe I'm reading too much into this, but I'm definitely seeing the whole uh, Christian thing. Yeah. And isn't, Ono, Ono is, is, is Ono Christian? Well, I mean, there's a lot of crosses in Evangelion. Yeah, but that's just because he thought it looked cool. And I would, I have interpreted the ending of Shin Godzilla to be kind of biblical. Hmm. I don't know. I I kind of see the 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 bib- biblicalness here. Um, I I can definitely see uh, the bib- uh, biblical influence in Shin Ultraman's ending, no doubt. Yeah. But whether or not Arno Arno being influenced by Christianity is necessarily an intentional thing in his other works is less so. I mean, it's more just inspired by the visual style of those early ultra shows. Mm-hmm. Cause I mean, half the time he does the Christian imagery about half the time. There's an ultra, there's another Ultraman reference in those scenes. Anyways, this is true. We're common. And Ava writer. basically was his Ultraman before doing, before working on the Shin Japan heroes. Right. Marketing thing. So, I mean, I, I like it and I, I love the, the transformation here because it, it's 100% Ultraman. Again, it's like the red background and everything. Mm. And we get that not just once, we get that twice in this. And there, there is a bit of suspense that that's built up from, from Zeton that mm. I, I really appreciate. Because of you know the countdown, you know the onoism of the, the the text on the screen, yeah, and I love how it slows down, and like then the explosion happens and and the black hole and and during the black hole sequence, I it feels very Showa Ultraman to me because of how crazy the visuals are. Mm-hmm. Like it, it definitely feels like something they would have done in the '60s, which I like. And I mean, the way Ultraman's flying, of course, like perfect. And then you think he's going to escape, and then he doesn't. Hmm. I thought that was great. And then the, the gets stuck in the plank brain dimension. The plank brain dimension is amazing. Either that or another dimension. Um, no, it's that one. Okay. And I love it looks so good. It reminds me mm. of where uh the villains in Ace, what are they? Uh 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 the the the, the, the what what are they called? The t- t- God damn it, I I know what they are. Um cuz they're in they're in Dekka. Yapul. Yes, the Yapul. Yeah, Yapul. Uh it it reminds me of the where the Yapul 
were located from Ultraman Ace, mm. which I think I is... Mean, it's meant to visually be... Similar. ...resemble the final sequence of... Um, of Ultraman. Oh, yeah, the final episode of the original 66, so yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then, of course, like the whole Zoffy thing, too. I love that. I think that's a great moment for Zoffy right there. Oh, definitely. It's probably his best scene. I would agree. It's the one I'm most like definite with, like, this is a good scene. Mm-hmm. And then, to me, it looks like the suit changes. And I, I don't know if the suit changes, but I love the look of Ultraman in this final bit here. Mm-hmm. I, I think Ultraman looks, looks the best. best. And he looks like a suit. It looks like a suit. It does. I'll, yeah, it does look like a suit there. And for that, I applaud them. I mean, they still had the suit wrinkles throughout, to be fair. They did, but there's something about it specifically here that looks the most mm-hmm. suit-ish. Mm-hmm. Sure. Because you do see the suit wrinkles throughout, but there's something about this. I, I, I don't know what exactly. I mean, maybe it's just being able to get a better look at like the textures on, on the actual, like, in the red sections of the model as well. Because you don't really see them too clearly in Ultraman's other appearances. But here you can see those very suit-like textures right. on the design. Because it's, cause it's pretty pretty much the clearest look you get at the full design throughout the entire film i'd say yeah no not really much quick cutting that that is that is true uh, that that is very true cuz it's very at this moment like they they kind of just let the let the scene go they just let it yeah. let it flow and then i mean the whole conversation i think is really well done Really well written, too. Oh, definitely. Now, I will say the final shot is kind of weird to me. I wish there would have been a little something at the end because, you know, Zafi's like then. So can you can you tell me exactly what happened? Because I'm still a little confused on what. Okay, what's the ending? By the land of light, by the code of the land of light, um, Ultraman needs to be Zofie put on trial. Has, yeah, exactly. Um, Zoffy is not targeting Earth anymore because through uh, the SSP and Ultraman's actions, he's realized that humans are a very precious species and that they have a lot of potential to grow. Ultraman doesn't want to leave the Earth. He either wants to stay as its protector or to at least have Shinji Kaminaga come back to life as, you know, he kind of was the one who took away Shinji's life when he crashed on Earth. Mm -hmm. So because Zofi has to... Ultraman isn't allowed to stay on the planet himself. He he decides to trade his life, which Zofi accepts and thus separates the two Ultraman is seemingly dead and Shinji comes back to life. Is that what happened in the original show too? No, Ultraman and Hayata are both alive. I mean, 
yeah, Hayata did die in like the first episode, if I remember yes, right. Yes, Hayata like died. When they, when Ultraman gave his life. Yeah, and then at the end, Ultraman dies. But but Zo- then Zoffy brings brings Ultraman back to life, and also brings Hayata back to life. But Hayata um, says that he needs. I Ultraman. think Hayata's forgotten his memory. Is is it the Japanese or the American version where Hayata forgets his memory? I want to Ultraman? say it's that Hayata. Because rem- I I remember something saying, or in one of the two, Hayata's like. I hope he comes back soon because I need him to live or something. I don't remember that. I know there's mm, there's one version where he remembers and one version where he doesn't. I just can't remember which version it is where he remembers Ultraman. Now, my question to that is, and and do you do you want to talk any more about the final section here? Um Really? Not at the moment, I don't believe. So, there's plans for two more Ultraman movies. That's what we know Mm -hmm. from Subaraya. Mm -hmm. What we also know is they are probably Shin Ultraman 2 and Shin Ultraman 3. Yes, because in the Shin Ultraman design books... There is, at the very end of the book, I believe, there is mention of a proposal from Arno for a continuation Shin Ultraman. And a prequel. As well as um, a Shin Ultra 7. Mm -hmm. Now, the prequel was going to be Shin Ultra 7. It was like a prequel and a sequel. Prequel? I don't remember hearing that At least, I think, I'd have to rewatch the Monstrosities video. Yeah, I don't remember hearing that part, <laughs> personally. Maybe I'm crazy. Oh, Maybe. no, he was... So, okay, never mind. It was Shin Ultraman... I know in the Marvel comics, Ultra 7 shows up first. I, it was but... Shin Ultraman was the prequel to Anno and his Return of Ultraman movie, because that's what Shin Ultraman continuation would be, would be the Return of Ultraman, which Anno would direct. And then Shin Ultra 7, which could be a series or a movie. Hmm. I don't know. I've, I've looked at the um, original like page that the Shin Ultraman like, sequel proposals. I, there's, to my understanding, from, from what I recall, there's no mention of making a return of Ultraman sequel. I, I, I don't know if it was from that it, or if it was from other things Anno did. Because I know Because its Matt, title is just Continuation Shin Ultraman. I know... That's what it's called. But does it talk about how Anno would direct that one? Because I know... It does, yes. Okay. Yes, it does. And then it says Shin Ultra 7. Because uh, it does say Shin Ultra 7 there. Okay. Um, for the third film. Um, and that is... No director assigned to that. Okay. It might have been Matt speculating, but I know the insinuate, like he he was like the insinuation here would be Anna would direct a Return of Ultraman Mm. movie. I've heard a couple people in the fandom say it, but like 
I've never found anything like anything like that actually has been said in like interviews or something, unless I'm completely forgetting something that has convinced me that it's like something that has actually been legitimately considered. Well, if Ultraman's um, gone, then that would be what would it that like that's it would be the return of Ultraman either way. Sure, sure. So I guess it, it would be basically confirmed as a return of Ultraman, at least in, in concept. I suppose that is true. And then Shin Ultra 7. So, I mean, would you, or do you want more? Like, Oh, absolutely. Okay. I'd love to see more of this uh, world. Because okay. even just more of the SSP, because mm-hmm. I really enjoy this cast. Yes, I the cast I think is what makes this film, which I know in the uh, introduction Higuchi says that they did a they worked really hard on the cast and that shines mm-hmm. through uh, because that's that is what you know I think shines through the most past the the CGI past the the pacing the story everything I think I think the characters shine through perfectly. Another great example of how kaiju movies don't need, uh, or how kaiju movies do need human characters. Mm-hmm. I mean, and, and the fact is too that I've seen quite a few people wanting to see more of these characters as well. You know, like I know a lot of people quite enjoy um, Hidetoshi Nishijima as Captain Tamara. Mm-hmm. I myself quite incl- definitely included in that. Yeah, I. I... I loved all the SSSP. I, you know, I, I remember I said I was going to call them the Science Patrol, but since then I think I've basically just said SSSP. <laughs> I, I, I hope they come back. I would hope they don't replace them with like the Ultra Garrison and whatnot. Mm, I would be, I would be fine with it for Shin Ultra Seven, but I, I want him back. I want to see him at least once more. And I would love to see the development of the romance even more. Yeah. I, I think that's that could be a very interesting uh, story concept. I mean, the things that with the... With, with certain characters I feel are slightly underdeveloped, I feel a sequel would help. Could, yeah, would help a lot yeah. to further these characters up. Like furthering the relationship and adding development to Yumi and uh, the biologist lady and those and the captain, mm-hmm. I think would go a long way in making a great duology or trilogy. Yeah. No, the, uh, you said it perfect. Like that. That's that's true. I, I I think there should be a sequel to this film. I I hope that they don't. I would hope they would learn from their mistakes here and not make a... Not have two alien sections one after another that are very similar. <laughs> Just, I, what, I, what, what, what my final thoughts really come down to overall this film, I still have one more thing I want to talk about in the film, but it's the credits, so I'm not, I'm not like, too worried about it. Uh, overall, like... The problems with this film come down to its pacing and its structure. 
it it's made like a compilation film and it just doesn't it doesn't run off as well as i wish it did mm-hmm. and because of those reasons it, it kind of makes it an easy watch a little bit because like you can just look away and look back and you're basically know what's happening like you you don't need to pay too much attention to pick up on everything it's kind of a uh, I, I disagree a little with that i mean i feel honor style still demands the viewer to be paying attention I, i'm sure you could look away at certain like obviously during the action you could turn away at a couple points and be fine mm-hmm. but i feel there's some pretty pretty important dialogue sequences um and obviously like missing some of the on-screen text as well could take away from the experience i feel yeah that's fair i don't know i just i feel like the film it could use some some tightening up on just sure. the plot not the story the story's good the plot however i think is where where it faults out the most sure i I could agree that the the last three sections could have could be a little tighter. I agree. Well, I guess that's what I said. So I, I would agree with twice, myself. But that's fine. <laughs> uh, um, Not really much you could tighten in the first two, really. No, it's it's so quick. You just can't you can't do that. So I I hope they 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 just learn how to tighten that up, and. One thing I, I will say I was disappointed in is the lack of two villains that I think might work for a sequel unless Anno just wants to go straight up and do Return of Ultraman stuff. And that would be Bemular and Bolton. Bolton. Not mm-hmm. Bolton, Bolton. Mm-hmm. I think both of those are like very important to the Ultraman story. You see, with Bemula, I I would have liked him to be here, but I I don't feel it's an... I feel you can still have Ultraman without Bemula. You yeah, you, you can. I, I just... I mean, we do. We do. <laughs> I just... Um, I but f- I will agree, Bolton does feel sorely missing. Mm-hmm. Bolton, I think, if 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 there's one alien that should be in a sequel, it should be Bolton, and he should honestly be a main antagonist. Yes, I feel. he should be the big bad. He should be the Zafi of this of this film. Mm-hmm. I mean, especially given how you know prevalent he was in the original series, with getting two separate episodes mm-hmm. um, and then returning to him, and then. Having the plotline in Return of Ultraman that is still yet to this day never been resolved. <laughs> I'm trying to remember which one. It's been a little bit since I saw that. It's Return of like the Alien Bolton Jr. one. What was the plotline that was left? Basically, he says he's going to be back to take revenge on Ultraman. And he never comes back ever. I mean... There's always Ultraman Blazer. That is true, but that is a 
seemingly a tribute to new gen at the moment. This seemingly. is um, So yeah, I just Bolton, I think Bolton's the, 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 the missing piece to the, the Shin. Oh no, definitely. Bolton, Bolton should definitely be in a sequel. Um, I mean, there's other characters I'd like to see, like Gomorrah and Red King and all them that I would obviously love to see in a sequel. But Bolton, he's like the must-have. I agree. I agree. I think that's it, 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 speculative wise. I think that's that's where I kind of end is like Bolton needs to be in the sequel, mm-hmm. and that's yeah, that's where I'm I'm kind of at with the sequel. I'm down. You just got to include Bolton. Mm-hmm. I need to hear my Matongo laughs. <laughs> and I wonder if yeah. it would look like Ultraman powered Bolton. No, I wonder if I wonder if I'd keep the design closer to the original Bolton or if they'd make it look like more like the Cicada Man from Ultra Q. Maybe. Maybe. Or perhaps they'd have that be a subspecies. Now you just get MonsterVerse theory people on me. Jesus. I mean, to be fair, the Cicada Man aliens, the ship for them in Ultra Q is the same ship as the Boltons. Or or is it the same ship as Mephilus? One or the other. Uh It's it's a reused prop that one or the other. Maybe maybe the dragon from Ultra Q is a subspecies of Manda. But I mean... Bruh. I mean, <laughs> hey, there's precedent for this subspecies thing in Shin Ultraman, thanks to Pagos and Naronga. This is Tabora. So it wouldn't exactly be unlike this Shin Ultra series. That that is true. Now, real quick, they do mention the multiverse. I don't know if this is the first time that a multiverse has been established in the Ultraman series. Definitely not. There's that gets established in one of the movies before New Gen. It might have been Saga, I think. I was going to say maybe the Ultra Galaxy stuff. No, no, it was established before those. Well before those. Saga is Ultra Galaxy. Like right after. No, it's before. Is it? Ultraman Saga was in 2012. And the... Before Ginga. Right, but the Ultra Gal like the Mega Monster Battle. Oh, oh, Ultra Galaxy. Tra- oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's that's after Saga. Yeah, okay. Sorry, I thought you were talking about Ultra Galaxy Five. No, 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 no. That's that's like okay. 2019, 2020, 2021 yeah, yeah, stuff. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay, I wasn't sure if that had been established or not, but that I was wondering, like maybe that's them hinting at maybe Shin Ultraman or Shin Zafi like appearing in in future crossovers. Now, other now Monsterverse fans are going to take it as the Shin multiverse confirmed. Oh, God. <laughs> Speaking of which, so the last, I, I'm, I'm going to talk about the movie. The last two things here. I really like the final song. I thought the final song sounded really nice. Oh, yeah. M87. Yes. Yeah, that's a nice song. I do like it. And then... Takashi Yamazaki had a hand in Shin Ultraman. Did you know? Wait, what? Shirogumi, his effects company, did the effects for Shin Ultraman. Really? Yes, if you watch the credits, uh, I, I was 
trying to read the credits for what little like Japanese I know. And there's a Shirogumi logo. Huh. Yeah. So Takashi Yamazaki has, in a way, worked on Ultraman and Godzilla now. Hmm. I mean, to be honest, it wouldn't surprise me if, if, if his company or already worked on Shin Godzilla, to be fair. This is true. Since there were like, what was it, like 10 different VFX yeah. studios? Yeah. Now we haven't really talked about the Shin Godzilla connections, have we? Not too much, at least. I mean, we did at the beginning. We sort of, oh yeah, at the beginning. Yeah, I suppose that's true. But we didn't really talk about. Um, did we talk about the government man? I was about to mention. I was told that there's a line in this movie where they say there's a kaiju frozen in Tokyo. I was told about that too. But um, so unless that line is not translated here, I didn't see it. Um, yeah, neither did I. I've I've seen the movie three times. It's not in this. If it does truly exist, it's not in this. And I was told there's supposedly also supposedly there was a line referencing Kamen Rider, uh, the, the Spider Man from Kamen yes, Rider. But yes. I didn't see that either. Nor did I. Okay, cool. So I doubt they're true given nothing seems to suggest it and no one seems to talk about that anymore um because like for all the trans for some of the translation issues i've heard about from what i understand they're mostly present in the methless section where there's some some deep some important details that are now do you know what those are um not really i just i've just heard that there's some it's mainly in the playground scene where I heard there's details that just aren't translated. Gotcha. Like it's generally translated well. It's just there's some nuances that have been lost. Gotcha. So yeah, unless that's happened in another scene, there's no direct mention of Shin Godzilla or Shin Kamen Rider. It wouldn't really make sense for Shin to exist given, you know, the whole intro at the beginning with the numbering of the kaiju, that would be inconsistent if Shin does exist. Well, I, I will know because they, they establish uh, extraterrestrial zero. So there could be Kai. Uh... Sure. But that's, be- that's because Mephilus showed up after true after. And Mephilus himself was the one who named himself that too. This is true. I don't know. I, I'm with you. It would. It would. I'm just trying to play devil's advocate and like say how it would work. Um, I mean, since I mean, really, the Shinji Higuchi and presumably Ano do seem like they wanted to have that connection be more present, which is why Government Man from Shin, who's played by an actor from Shin Godzilla and has the same pin as in Shin Godzilla. Um, they wanted to play with that more, but due to some copyright concerns, they couldn't. Right. And I'm going to be honest. I don't like the idea of it all being connected. It just doesn't. I don't know. I, like... I, I'd be cool. I think it'd be interesting if it was, but I'm fine with it. I, I like it the way it is as well. I agree. And for me, at least, like when I, 
I, I think you and I heard the rumors about the same time. You might have been the one that told me about them. I didn't believe it. I always thought it was a load of bull. Mm-hmm. Like I, I, I never thought that they would actually do that. It didn't make sense. Mm-hmm. So at least for me, like I'm not surprised. I'm not upset. If anything, I think this is better because I, I'm still of the opinion that Shin Godzilla should stay singular, and Shin Ultraman should. I mean. If Shin Godzilla must have a sequel, I think Shin Ultraman being a successor, I think this is the best Shin Godzilla sequel we could get. I would agree. <laughs> um, yeah, seeing seeing as much as it would would as a fanboy, it's kind. Of, it would be the prospect of seeing Shin Godzilla and Shin Ultraman together is a cool idea. I feel it would take away from Shin Godzilla as a film. And that, that's been my whole standing on Shin Godzilla since since the whole discussion of a sequel since just came, came out. out. If they do a sequel, it undermines the ending and undermines the film as a whole. Now, if mm. you look at it singularly, I think it still would stand fine, but, but the idea of a sequel, I think, would undermine it too much. Yeah, that I think I think we've covered more or less everything. We could probably move on to final thoughts. Yeah. Um, do you want to go first? Go ahead. I, I feel like I've talked a lot towards the end here. <laughs> All right. So my final thoughts on Shin Ultraman. As as someone who's seen a fair lot, uh, a fair bit of the older Ultraman shows and the newer ones. A little less of the ones... Of, I haven't seen too many of the Heisei Ultra, but I've seen a couple here and there. Um, I thoroughly enjoyed this film. I wish certain aspects weren't spoiled, but, you know, this this was still a really fun and really enjoyable time for me, and I think re-watching it, it held up even better for me. And... Yeah, no, I'd I'd have to rewatch Ultraman the next to be sure, but so far this is looking to be my favorite Ultraman movie. Hmm. That's pretty good. It's funny because this is the only Ultraman thing we've covered on the podcast. Yes, and it, it'll be <laughs> the only thing for a while. Unfortunately, we'll we'll get Eventually, to more someday soon. Um, did you have anything else? Now, now the question the question is though, will we get to, will we get to, other Ultraman before Shin Ultraman Two comes out? We'll see. <laughs> we'll That's see. That's the question. Did you have anything else you wanted to say? I don't know. I just, yeah, I really enjoy this film, and I'm very, very excited for Shin Kamen Rider as well. Thanks to this as well. Yeah, hope maybe we can cover that one too. I know it's not on our docket. We'll have to see. Oh, we can find time somewhere. We found time for this. This one. Yeah, wasn't this on was our, a very like this wasn't on s- like last minute decision, you could say. Yeah, we were like, oh, this is coming out. We need to get this done. So we <laughs> have an extra episode this year on our already very busy, mm. busy uh, schedule. Well, hey, it timed in just right. 
It did because we had one weekend open or one week because we're full. Um, <laughs> for me, I think I'm a little harsher on this film. Like, like I said, I just I, I don't like the pacing. The the con- it it feels like it it goes on for thirty minutes too long. Sure. The compilation film esque just kind of messes with it with me. I like it. I enjoy it. Like I was entertained by it. I like the dub. I, I haven't talked about the dub. I got to watch the dub. The dub is actually really good. It's a huh. direct translation. I've, I've mixed of, things. It's a direct dub. translation of the subtitles. Mm-hmm. And I appreciate that. Unless the subtitles are dub titles. <laughs> um, I yeah. mean, hey, these are Subaru approved at least. This is true. For whatever that may be worth knowing um, some of the Milk Creek subtitles. And some of the dubs. Mm. But I, I, I mean, I, I enjoy the film. I liked it more than I like Shin Godzilla. This probably falls, I mean, I haven't watched, I've watched almost all of Showa Ultraman. Mm-hmm. And this probably would fall, like if I'm ranking it, the shows as well this would probably fall somewhere in the middle for me yeah I don't hate it by any means I think it's got some great aspects it's got some good stuff Um, it might be one of my favorite tokusatsu films I've I've watched this year so far I don't I don't I I mean how many have you seen I think eight how many of them are not exploitation films. Hang on. 009-1, The End of the Beginning, Seiko Gothic Lolita, Rise of the Machine Girls, Ninja Scope, The Magic World of Ninjas, and then if we want to count The Grudge, and Shin Ultraman. So that's actually seven. Because I also counted Rings, the short film. Ah. It's it's close to the top there. <laughs> We'll see where it ends in the final. How come you're the one getting all the ring mentions this episode? Uh, I don't know. I tried. I tried to. I tried to help you out. And you mentioned Jesus. all the monsterverse stuff. Really, you're the one who connected it to the monsterverse, not me. You were the one that did the multiverse statement. I when I say multiverse, it does not refer to monsterverse specifically. No, you said the monsterverse people. Well, claim it's a part of the Shin universe. Yes, after you had already first mentioned MonsterVerse previously in the recording. Oh, that's right. Sorry, we're at three hours. I don't remember. <laughs> no, we're actually at f- hour four. No? Oh. <laughs> what, what is with us in these long recordings? My thoughts, exactly. You're the one. We we had a great conversation. You need to like cut us down, man. Um, so like I I mean I'd recommend Shin Ultraman. I can understand why it's the highest grossing Ultraman movie in Japan. And yeah, I I, I I'm happy that we're we're getting more Ultraman content. Like I will always welcome that. I'm happy it was successful. Me too. Me too. I'm very happy that it, it did quite well in the English box office. But with that, I feel like if people are still listening to us, it is time 
for us to plug ourselves and move on. Yes. So, Rex. All good things must come to an end. Why don't you tell the lovely people where they can find you? Where they can find me? Ah. Well, if you, dear listener, want to find me, you can find me first on YouTube at Rexino, on Twitter at Rex at Rex underscore Xenomorph, and on Instagram, Rex underscore Xeno. And if you want to check out a bit of my Tokusatsu writing, you can check out the Tokusatsu Network. All of that can be found in the Linktree link below. And as for me, I'm Elijah. You can find me on Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube at ET13Productions. If you want to find my personal accounts, it's not that difficult. I'm not going to link them, but that's up to you. If you want to friend me on Facebook or follow my Instagram, Twitter, or any of that good stuff. It's okay to stalk him. Uh, I mean, (laughs) uh, um, no. I already have enough people doing that. Huh. A long story. More, you know. Uh, you can also find my work through Kaiju Ramen Magazine, as I am the production manager for the magazine. I write articles for the website, kaijuramanmedia.com. I oversee the production of each issue, starting with issue 8, going until I quit. And I also write articles or conduct interviews for each issue of the magazine. So definitely check out those if you want to see more of my work. As for the podcast, don't forget to rate us on iTunes. That boosts our ratings and helps us get recommended to more people just like you. If you don't have an Apple device, which I don't blame you, I don't. Technically, I do. Didn't. I've got a MacBook Pro now. With Adobe Premiere Pro, I can edit Shin Ultraman. It's Apple. It is Apple. Yeah, but I mean, if you can, you can still do it. You can review us on Spotify, or if you have an Apple device, review us on Spotify too. Like, do both. Why not do both? We've been recording on Shin Ultraman four hours now. Like, come on, give us a bone here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Please, please. Or you can tweet us and follow us on Twitter at K-A-I-J-U underscore C-O-N-V-E-R-S. If you don't have Twitter, you can follow us on Instagram or like us on Facebook. Or if you're like me before podcasting and you don't have any social media, lucky you, you can email us at kaijuconversation at gmail.com, all lowercase, all one word, you know the drill. And if you leave us a review, we can read it on air for everyone else to hear. And as always, we also have a Teespring store you can make purchases from. Right now, it just sports our logo. So if you want to rock the Kaiju Conversation logo made by yours truly, head on over to our Teespring store and make a purchase. Uh, Eventually, we'll have some original stuff on there. Maybe eventually it's. I think that's one of our like normal shticks now. Is it just we might have something eventually, maybe someday. If you'd like to chat with Rex and I more, or hear other people's opinions on the stuff you love, check out our Discord server. 
It's a great community. We've got amazing people. It looks like a most recent conversation that was had on the chat room. Somebody was listing off their top five Godzilla movies and talking about Godzilla VHSs and first Godzilla movies they've watched. So a little introduction here for some people. and It's a great community. Got some great people on there. A lot of, lot of fun stuff. And as always, don't forget to subscribe to our YouTube channel and hit the bell so you can be notified anytime we upload. We might have a little bonus from this recording on there. I don't know what Rex will do in the editing room, but there's there's about five to ten minutes here that's worth a little bonus mini-sode maybe. Uh, bloopers, you can find bloopers hmm, on we'll that on, on our YouTube channel. You can uh, hear mini-sodes where we talk about topics. Or you can even... Uh, see us interview Mechagodzilla uh, designer Jared Kurchevsky. I think I butchered his last name. And all that good stuff. So, You absolutely huh? did. You absolutely yeah, thanks, butchered man. it. And a huge thanks to Rex for editing these. Um, it seems like every time we're like, this is the longest episode because we just can't stop talking. We just talk all day. Well, thankfully, it's not the longest one because if if it gets any longer than everything wrong with GVK, then um, I mean we're yikes. we're we're I, I think we're going to be almost a an hour. Uh huh. Uh, no, no, no. Uh-uh. Cough, cough. Look, man, I don't. <laughs> cough, I already cough. have no sleep. Don't make me have more no sleep. I don't care. But a huge thanks to you, Rex, for all this. And along with Rex, we'd like to give a huge shout out and thanks to Danny Demana of the Godzilla Novelization Project for his vocal work and Grattan Conwell from Giant Monster BS for composing the music for our theme song. Giant Monster BS is on any streaming platform you can find for podcasts and also on Twitter. And you can find Danny's work at the Godzilla Novelization Project.com along with his YouTube, or not his YouTube, his uh, Twitter, which is at Danzilla underscore 1993. Crap, I did this last time. Hang on. <laughs> Danzilla 93 underscore GNP. So check, check both. This man's this man's um, bits are making the exact same mistakes over and over again. I swear. Look, man, he can't even remember the movies. Sleep deprivation. Hmm. So definitely check them out, and a huge thanks to them for helping us with our theme song. And with that, our episode on Shin Ultraman is done. I hope you guys were able to catch it in a film festival or in the limited theatrical release. If not, we just spoiled the whole film for you. But you can still see it coming up in theaters again, release date unknown. And later in the spring, you will be able to get it on Blu-ray and DVD. I also would not be surprised if streaming will be an option on Tokushatsu or Tubi, perhaps, or maybe even like Netflix or Crunchyroll or something like that, maybe. I think Tubi is pretty reasonable. I agree. So definitely keep an eye out there. Uh, 
a lot of great stuff coming for to- uh, Tokusatsu in general. Uh, just hang tight, and we're just getting started. If you think we're putting out a lot of content now, we got a lot in store for oh, you. Boy. So thank you guys. Boy, oh, boy, oh, boy. So much. And as always, please remember, life's too short to not talk big. Bye, guys. Ciao. We are set. We are in debt. There's nothing to sweat. Life's too short now, baby. Conversation. Not too big now, baby. Conversation. His name's Elijah, baby. And also Rex now, baby. We love those kaiju, baby. And you will too now.